Welcome to the Tech Ranch, where we explore the world of living with technology. Get ready to take a deep dive into the latest gadgets, apps, and innovations with your hosts, the guru of geek, Marlo Anderson, and his trusty co-host, Steve Botkin. Join us on this exciting journey, and don't forget to visit thetechranch.com for even more exclusive content. Now, without further ado, let's welcome Marlo and Steve to the Tech Ranch. This is amazing. I don't know. If, you're going to love this story. Okay. Hello, Steve. Hi, Marlo. How are you? Mr. Anderson. My robot mower got lost. What? I was doing some trimming of trees and stuff, and the mower was out, and it got caught up in the trees, and I didn't realize it. You know, the is that I, the, the yeah. branches and stuff. But you trimmed or? Yeah. Okay. You know. So it's not as smart as I thought. It's the first time, though, all season that it got. It's not like you found it up. down the street. No, no. Mowing the neighbor's yard. No. I suppose I, I need to be careful now because it could snow at any time. <laughs> so it might be out there mowing when it's got snow on the ground. But A couple flakes aren't going to hurt anything. I don't think so. Don't forget to turn that off, though. Correct. Because it's not a yarbo. It it's can't not. remove snow. That's not. I did send an email to them, by the way. Did you? Yes. Oh. We're going to work on that. All right. Yes. I just want somebody to take the garbage out. That's right. That's right. We have to, if we're going to talk about it all the time, we should at least have a unit that we can talk about. Yeah, let's talk about something. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so you remember when I was at CES earlier this year and I talked to this firm that was able to use photos to diagnose issues, health issues with your pets. Do you remember right. that? Yeah, I do. They, they, I'm a big pet lover, so it caught my ear. Yeah, so how it works is you take a photo of your dog. I'm just going to pick on your dog, right? And then a week later, you take another photo of your dog, and you continue to do this. Every week at about the same time, you take a photo of your dog. I actually have those with our puppies. Oh. Every week. That. Okay. Well, I suppose that would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. And through a database and through AI... And then uh, I'll go a little further. Something happens with your dog. You go to the vet, dog says, or the vet says, hey, your dog has blah, blah, blah. You record that down, okay? And through crowdsourcing and artificial intelligence, it starts to use this information to determine, let's say your dog's left eye starts to droop a little bit. And you don't notice this because you see your dog every day and you're just, you know, it's just part of whatever. Well, the AI looks at that and says, hey, other dogs have the same issue. And because of this, it might have this, this, and this, right? And that's what's going on just simply by looking at facial features of your pets. So then I ask the person who's developing this, I said, are we going to be able to use this with people someday in the future? And that's what I'm about ready to talk about. And I'm guessing the answer is absolutely it's a little, it's a little variant of this, but on the same track. This is amazing. There are researchers that have determined that they can di- discover type two diabetes in people with speech patterns. Speech patterns. You go through a ten minute script. You read this script. sell seashores by the seashore? Whatever it is, right? Seashores. And by the end of this 10-minute script, it'll tell you if you have type 2 diabetes or not. Just from language patterns. Is that incredible or what? 
So, so the artificial intelligence listens to how you are saying whatever you're saying, and because of how you say it, it is determined that just through speech patterns... Now, you'd have to have a baseline, I'm assuming. They already have it. Of the individual? No. So there are commonalities between people who have type 2 diabetes and people who do not in these speech patterns, and that's what they pick out. Oh, okay. So they already have kind of the... It's not a variation in your own pattern. No, It's just in... It's not like you have to do this every... It's not like you have to do this every week, like the photo thing. They already have a baseline that they've determined, and they they understand that because you say things a certain way or whatever it is. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I do not know how this works with the exception of that if I have type 2 by diabetes, maybe my voice voice tone is a little different. It picks up on something. So, and it's not subject to accents or vernacular or... I'm not saying it's 100% right, and I'm sure... But, but what I find interesting about this is that the diagnosis of things that are wrong with us in the future is going to be really different than just going to the doctor and going through a multiple of tests. They're going to be able to determine... I mean, AI can look at you and and or listen to you obviously i've never even i never even thought about the fact that maybe the way we talk could be a way to diagnose things i've always thought that if we just took pictures of ourselves every day or every week or whatever it could tell differences or by just taking a uh, a you know a picture of you and understanding who you are a little bit that it could say hey you know you might have some type of cancer going on or something like that right um now it's about voice, too. And I, I just find that fascinating. I really do. People do talk a little differently before the third cup of coffee in the morning. That is true. And I'm on eight right now. So. Well, if you think about it, though, because so if you're looking at a, at a condition like diabetes and you know there's fluctuations in your blood sugar levels, which impact brain function and language, you know, all kinds of things different bodily functions right so I, I i can see where that would you could probably have some indicators from that i just think it's i mean i'm gonna we're gonna get into some things a little bit later that are not so great with ai and robots did you catch bill maher earlier this month no on hbo so you i you, love and you, hate him you know yeah i know I, everybody loves and hates him i love him earlier and i i i he's well, an intelligent can, guy but tends to be political yeah i mean i i not quite but he's probably a little closer to our generation's george carlin sure okay and there's a little love hate and and leave the politics out and you probably like him yeah exactly um but he tends to be polarizing um he had an ai expert on um scientists one of the original and the comment was the human race really screwed up and if the government doesn't get their hands on this and and clamp it down we're all doomed uh according to the scientist the two things that should not have been given to ai do you know what those are i have no clue the ability to write code and the internet ai is a wonderful tool except for those two things and according to this scientist the genie's out of the bottle now and you're not putting it back while it does write code it it has all kinds of access to the internet yep 
interesting. It's kind of like I <laughs> um, remember the Bruce Willis movie. Um, oh, what was the name of that one? Um, Fifth Element. Yeah, yeah. It, remember when uh, she was scanning through? Uh, yeah, the history of the human human race, right? Yeah, and uh, that's kind of the way I see AI ingesting information off the internet. It's kind of the similar yeah. to me. Well, I hope that it's always for good, but yeah, one can hope. Yeah, yeah. I love this story. I just say it. I just the two I, things you shouldn't have given AI. I just think that the health ramifications of artificial intelligence are yet to even hardly be discovered. And well, and we've talked about the the health implications on the ability to treat disease and well, just uh, early detection. Of yeah, that. early detection, which is key in treating disease. I mean, there's there's a a significant effort underway to. Um, tell you you're going to have a heart attack within weeks before you have a heart attack and that you should go to the doctor now to prevent this from happening. And there's been significant uh, progress in that. There's a device called Scanadu. It looks like a tricorder from Star Trek. And you exactly every time you know that's exactly that is exactly how I remember the name of that device is really song Xanadu. I am not exaggerating. Otherwise, I'd never remember it, but I remember the songs Anna do, so... Stuck in your head. Stuck in my head. Uh, but, Don't worry. Yeah, and it looks like a tricorder. It does. And, uh, but, and, you know, think about... You and I have had the conversation about robotics before and how small the robotics have gotten and what that's done in the medical field, but now coupling AI with the robotics. Yeah. And remember the movie Fantastic Voyage? Movie. Oh well, yeah. But t- tell uh, tell me they don't come to fruition. I haven't seen Fantastic Voyage. Really, the original black and white little. I think it was black and white. Yeah, the where they shrunk down the little submarine of scientists to go fix like the pre- the president had something wrong in his heart and they had to go fix it. And the only way they could do it was shrink down this little submarine so that they could go. Well, nanobots actually exist now, so. Is it that far-fetched? No, in, in other procedures now that are emerging. Yeah, smaller than a grain of rice. Here, go throw something. Fix it, yep, yep. And, he, and even just the, the role of a doctor in the future, I think, is going to be more about supervising than anything else. You know, just overseeing how the operation is going because the robot and, and artificial intelligence. Are okay, those aren't doctors. Those are technicians. But you, I think you still have to have an understanding don't you, of what, I mean, if something does go wrong. Well, look what's going on in this country right now. They're saying in, not the distant future, I forget what the date was, but in a couple of years, 40,000 doctors were going to be short. So what do you do when you're faced with a shortage or a critical, you know, a, a crisis situation? Technology is what's going to fill the gap. Technology. You know, it, it, it's okay. So teachers. And now you've got one doctor, one doctor with oversight and a whole bunch of technicians. Yeah. 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 I agree with you. I think that that's exactly where this is going. Uh, I look at the, the classroom. I mean, how many sure, how many teachers are we short right now in this country? It's a significant problem. And I guarantee you that within two to five years, you'll have AI teaching some of these classrooms because they don't know how else to 
basically teach our kids. Yeah, but will AI know how to swing a ruler? That's the thing. You don't have to anymore, right? Just saying. Discipline. You and I... Yeah, but, but discipline in a classroom is so different to now than what it was when you and I... Well, my wife's a teacher, and, and frankly, the, the biggest problem with teaching is teachers don't get to teach anymore. Right. They have all these other things that they have they're, to do. Instead. Yeah, they're not educators. Right. They're babysitters. Yeah, exactly right. So, you know, AI would be fine with that. Welcome back to the Tech Ranch. Let's get back to discovering the latest in technology with the guru of geek, Marlo Anderson. So you're going to love this. Of course I am. Are you a Netflix subscriber? My wife is. Okay. You're not. Because all of her teacher friends had to watch Orange is the New Black. Oh, back in the day. Back in the day. That's why she the subscribed thing. to Netflix. Okay. We never finished the series. Okay. So Netflix has, they had an effort to limit password sharing. Oh, yeah. Which is why your wife is and you're not anymore, right? No, no, okay. no. It's per household. So yeah, there was a we time. never meant that we there was a time, and I mean I will I will say that maybe I did a little bit of this, and a lot of people who have like two households or or whatever that seems to make sense to me. Like you know you have a lake cabin, right, right, or people that snowbird, right, exactly. You have your account that you can move back and forth, and they've really limited that now. I had so my mom, I just shared my stuff with my mom who. You know, I'm not saying I was breaking any rules, but I would, I would be there often, right? So why not? I would just, you know, we'd watch a movie together or whatever, and that was that. But they've really limited that now. Uh, you can add another household for X amount of dollars, but because they did this, they've had. I'm just reading from my cheat sheet here. The streaming giant added 8.8 million subscribers in the third quarter, with customer growth in every region. So they, because they limited password usage or sharing, they added 8.8 million new subscribers. See, they had to be careful about that, though, because in its infancy, and I, I they probably were at fault the way they rolled things out initially. Because um, once you... They were probably too generous. They were too generous. I agree with and, that. Yeah. And so from a business model perspective, hey, here's the place. So then they had to wait because they would have liked to have clamped down on the password sharing earlier. Oh, yes. But you had to wait until you got to a certain level of, okay, we got them all hooked now. Um, we have enough content. We have enough products so that people don't want to lose us. And, and I mean, they're pricing, right? It's Right now it's $9.99 a month. If you for the basic, right? So if you're going to, and I think it's like what twenty two bucks a month for premium. Yeah, I'm looking right here. Cost of premium is twenty two ninety nine. Um, so yeah, that would be interesting. In the that you have to get to a, a critical mass, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, then you're like, all right, I've been able to take advantage of this password sharing thing for three years, five years, or whatever. I've just gotten a great deal. Now I'm going to just pony up and pay. But you've gotten used to the product. Yeah, yeah. So, so you don't want to let the product go. And you think for 10 bucks more a month, what's what's the big deal here, right? So this happens, and now they're going to... Netflix now, their basic plan is going to go from nine ninety nine to eleven ninety nine a month. So they just added 8.8 million new subscribers, and now they're going to up the price. I think it's hilarious. Most, so, most companies wouldn't do that, right? Yeah, so they're going to be at about $18 million extra money. 
big deal. Every every month. Every month. Extra on top of what they already right. are getting, but they already million dollars load a month. They get five million. Yeah. They're also dropping. They're going from seventeen billion dollars a year in new content, and they're dropping that down to thirteen billion a year now. So I'm not sure why the decrease in the new content creation. Yeah, but nothing goes out anymore on, and I mean nothing goes out anymore on the theaters. It, it hey, we're going to release this blockbuster movie, and by the way, tonight you can catch it on so and such streaming service. But Prime or Prime Prime is probably the one that you catch that mostly on. I mean, Netflix getting there, yeah. Netflix doesn't have any direct to. Well, great example. So, do you watch Thursday Night Football? No. But I know it's on uh, yeah. Prime. Yeah. yeah. Um, my wife has Prime. Yeah. I, it's not convenient and easy anymore to just be there. And, and we have Prime, but I don't watch a game. I, I watch, Vikes were playing maybe. She's a Broncos fan. If the Broncos were playing maybe. But I have to, it, it's the extra effort of, oh, I got to pull this up. And no. I, I, have, I, just, I have to admit that I... I'm not sure if I miss it or not. I don't watch as not even close to the amount of sports I used to on television. It's not even close. Well, there's something to be said about too much content available. So if you're looking at sporting events, are they special if there's all kinds of sports everywhere at any time? Well, the thing that they sell you on is the fact that it's going on now. And if you don't watch it now, you're going to hear what the score is later, and that ruins the ability to watch the game, which is, I yeah, can understand but, that. Okay, watch. so I can stream the Vikings game and go pheasant hunt in the morning. Right. Uh, and if it's a 12 o'clock game, then i got to be home. Oh, wait a minute, I can stream it. So I'll just watch it at 2 o'clock when I get home and get my stuff put away, and I'll just pull the game up then. I wonder if the viewership has actually overall has gone down for sporting events. I, I don't know. Outside of maybe like the Super Bowl. Depends on the sport. NFL's king. When you're looking yeah. at sports, yeah. NFL is king. This is what I miss, though. But all these different platforms, I'm not sure. Like, so a couple of weeks ago, I popped on. I was working in the garage. I popped on. I was going to watch football game. Because hey, I'm more of a, yeah, I got my teams, but... Whatever's on, I'll I'll watch because it's on. It's convenient for me to like. I'm not going to go stream. I'm going to go work in the garage and put something on to and find something to stream. I'm I'm no. What's on TV? And I actually turned it on and and uh, there was rugby on. It was Fiji versus England, and I watched it for a couple minutes because I got friends that have played rugby and it's a it's a tough sport. There, those those folks are tough. And then I flipped over the football game. I'm like, wow, what a bunch of sissies. <laughs> Every one of the rugby players bleeding from the nose, right. lips, and it's like their uniforms are all bloody. And they do the same thing the football guys do, but without pads. Right. It was like, okay, it's side note there, but it was like, wow, but we're trained. We're, we're, we're trained to hit a benchmark. Oh, games at noon. Oh, games at 315 or 330. Oh, Sunday night football, Monday night football, Thursday night football. And, I'm a fan to the extent that, oh, what's the game on? Okay, well, it's it's Sunday night. I got to watch a football game. It doesn't matter what the game is, but I got to watch a football game, right? Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so I think the 
thing that I probably miss the most about is the lack of ability to browse. Yeah. Game is, you want the game you're watching is a blowout. Commercial, flip. Well, there's that. My wife hates that. I, it, I'm that guy. But if it, if the game's a blowout and they're flashing in the side that, you know, this other game is close, you know, it's it's 14 to 12 with, with you know, eight minutes left to go in a football game or whatever, and you're like, and this one's 60 to 5, I'm, that's probably not a great football score, but but you know what I mean, right? So then you, you'll flip over to watch the other game instead of turning off the TV and walking away from it. Uh, now you don't really have that ability to browse as easy. So as a result, I think more people just walk away from the game if it's not. Well, that's NFL red zone. You know, that's kind of that concept behind that is it's going to hit all the games. It's just the highlights of the game. So it's like watching sports center, but on steroids, right? But in live time. Yeah. So that's why there was a really big boom in the ability to, Hey, I can catch all the highlights, all the scores. A lot of it was because of fantasy football and gambling. Which is probably more relevant today than ever. More so, yeah. Now, it, well, that drives a lot of viewership. I well, think about it this way. When is the NFL going to get to be like the last Boy Scout because it's all about the gaming rather than the game? Yeah, it's getting close already. It's the gambling side yeah, of stuff. That's exactly right. Well, that's interesting. And you're right. I, I never thought about the fantasy football thing, all because of the internet, which has really driven a lot of that. So, yeah, interesting stuff. And we're back, Minute of the Tech Ranch, as we explore the cutting edge of tech with Marlo and Steve. For more exclusive content, visit thetechranch.com. You are going to like this topic. I am. Of course. Like most topics. Yeah, but you're really going to like this one. Okay. I'm just saying. Marines test fire robot dog armed with rocket launcher. Ooh. <laughs> I really like this one. You've seen the robot dogs, right? Right. The four-legged quadra, whatever they call themselves. Yeah. Um, Actually, I like the ones uh, that Poppy had in uh, Kingsman. Gold oh, yes. Yes. Those were cool. Yeah. Those were robot dogs. They actually had a very eerie looking. I think for about a week on patrol in New York City. Really? And then people were complaining about how weird it was, so they took them off the streets. But they actually had them patrolling for a short period of time. And as people get used to them, probably see more of them. But they're kind of cool. I I played around with a couple of them uh, over the last couple of years. There's one that actually, I mean, they have some AI built into them. They're self well, they're not self-aware. I hope not. Uh, but they they have sensors in them so they can walk around and not bump into people and act canine-like, I guess you could say. Um, but they also have ones that have remote controls on them. And, and it takes a while to get used to, you know, they'll stand up on their hind legs. You can have them chase after people or whatever if you're... Elton John is not a friend. That's right. I have no idea where that's from. Well, that's from the movie. What movie are you talking about? The Kingsman oh. and the Golden Circle and the big robot dogs that were like mean and they didn't have rocket launchers, yo. That's kind of cool. See, the difference between you and I when we watch movies, I lay back, I got a tub of popcorn, and I'm asleep in eight minutes. Oh, what the? <laughs> <laughs> and I wake up and popcorn's everywhere and, and whatever. You, on the other hand... Feel like I feel like you think every movie is a documentary. 
Well, the sci-fi movies are. And it hasn't happened. Yeah, so I was going to say if it hasn't happened, it will happen. So as a result, I need to pay attention to this because I'm learning something from this. Chicken and the egg. I just, I just watch them for pure entertainment, and and so I don't, I don't take time to. I don't even know who most of the actors I, I are. Critically, you watch yeah. movies. There was a time I did. Yeah. I mean, and and my ranking system was every movie was worth watching, and I'd go watch if it was okay. I'd watch it two times at the theater. If it was really good, I might yeah. watch it three or four times. You know, now I can't tell the last time I went to a theater. I just don't. That's a great question. I it you know, and I don't even without the theater and the theater experience, it's really hard to differentiate a new movie or a movie that's just been out for a little bit right. and and I've kind of checked out of oh I got to go see this. Uh no. I've checked because out there's too. there's no going to see anything. Right. You got to really have it going. Well, and my wife was like, "Um why don't we just watch it at home?" Because by the time we get done paying for the two tickets, it's cheaper to rent it at home. Even if now, it's a new release. Yeah. yeah. And and I was thinking about that because the differentiation between pay-per-view, because it used to be your cable provider would have, you could rent movies. And they were like second cut. So after they were in the theater for a month or so, then kind of kind of set up like uh, the pay subscriptions like Cinemax or HBO right. or Showtime, kind of like that where, okay, after they've been in the theaters for a little bit and had that run, then you can watch them on this subscription. Right. And then we went to, okay, well, the cable companies figured out that people – We'll rent those movies, and then we've gone to the streaming side of stuff, and now things come out at the same time to streaming as they do in the theaters. Theaters are irrelevant, although I do know people that will watch that movie at home, but they go to the theater and buy their popcorn and bring it home. Yeah, yeah, there's because you can't going on. You can't replicate that. And there has been a little bit of a pushback the other way. Now I think uh, Maverick, the movie Maverick. Oh, Tom Cruise. Some things have to be seen on a big yeah, screen. I think and Tom, immersion. Tom Cruise in that movie um, literally took COVID and put it on its side and said, "All right, it's time to come back to the theater now." And that was a great experience. And I, I actually went to uh, I went and seen that movie a couple times in the theater because it was just I thought a phenomenal movie. Yeah, but how long before? People get used to not going to the theater at all. I think a lot of people and, already are used right, to it. Right, especially younger people because for for us and our generation, it was about the experience in the theater. Right. The the room shook. The, the And you couldn't emulate it. Larger than life. No, and now other than the screen size, you can emulate most of it at home with surround. You can, you can get the room to shake. Yeah. Um, and I remember when the original Top Gun came out and I watched it on a TV the first yeah. time. And then I went to a theater and watched and went, whoa, that's an entirely different movie. It was kind of like if you read the book and then go to a movie, bad idea. Go to the movie first, then read the book. And you go, whoa, there's so much more to that. Well, and it's like watching the movie Avatar and not seeing it in 3D. It's two different movies. Really? If you watched Avatar, the the first one when it came out in 3D, and which I did, and then I watched it on television a couple of years later in just regular whatever, I'm like, this doesn't even have even close to the same impact as what that movie did in 3D. 
Yeah. So there are movies that are even designed so that they're better in that particular technology. But getting back. Yeah. What were we talking about? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Robot rule the world. Robot dogs. Marine test fire. Robot dog armed with rocket launcher. How about robot squirrels? A rob a rocket hmm. launcher toting robot dog could give Marines a valuable new way to remotely attack armored vehicles, especially in urban areas. Is that like sharks with little laser oh, beams on their head? I need sharks with little laser beams. Maybe the robot dogs will have little laser yeah, beams. Yeah, I'm just reading this from uh, an article. Um, Joseph Trevithick, I believe that's how you pronounce his name. And uh, from Frantic Goat, uh, the U.S. Marine Corps recently tested a robot dog toting a training version of the M-72 infantry anti-armor anti-armor rocket launcher. This is the latest example of growing interest in the U.S. and foreign material. Yeah, I'll try that again. Military forces. I should have had that um, cotton candy. Was it the cotton candy? I noticed that my lips are sticking together. Was it the pickle cotton candy or the jalapeno <laughs> cotton candy? You had the jalapeno one. That was that was good. I that, would, that one caught me a little off guard. That was, that was did, like, you, did you did you chase it with the IPA craft beer cotton candy? No, I did not. Should see that was the mistake. If you're gonna Should've if you're gonna that. eat jalapeno cotton candy, you need to be chasing it with the IPA. I chased it with a dill pickle cotton candy. Okay. By the way, these are all true flavors. Yeah. That we're testing here. Well, at National Day Count. I like the pina colada and the root beer. The dreamsicle was pretty good too. We really are like a couple squirrels on eighty. Uh huh. Telling you. Um, I've had my Cheetos yesterday. Russian armed forces and the idea of arming four-legged uncrewed ground systems. In fact, the marine design looks to be based on a similar, if not identical, Chinese-made commercial off-the-shelf robot that has emerged in anti-armor rocket launchers and submachine gun armed configurations in Russia in the past. Rotary. Wow. So... Have you ever noticed Astro and Scooby-Doo sound a lot alike? They do sound a lot yeah. alike. Ruh, ruh, ruh. And now you, yeah. <laughs> you want to you wanna put a rocket launcher on Astro out front here, I'm I sure. do. We should get one of those little ones with the neon. Well, I asked him if he was a robot dog and he didn't get it. He just didn't understand. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I think the... Uh, Speaking of which, did you get your large Astro on the way out? I need to do that. Yeah, you do. Man, just, that, that I keep, reminded I keep forgetting about that, actually. I know you do. He was so kind and said that he was going to send us one when we're ready for well, it. Well, you need to bring one to CES. And that's the thing. Um, CES. Your personal assistant. Away. Well, you said you needed a new cameraman. Train it to be your cameraman. Wow. Well, I'd be the talk of the show, right? You think? I see that robot camera? Yeah. Yeah. I might get in trouble with the union, but... CES has now been shut down because there's a strike going on out out front with yeah, the, no uh, more union cameramen. Yeah, exactly. Wow. So yeah, this is interesting to me. War has changed forever, like it always does. Do you think in the future that war will be like drone wars on Star Wars? Whoever has the most massive drone army will win. It always is about the technology, isn't it? Yeah. I actually, I was thinking. Um, remember that uh, Star Trek episode? And this is actually where I think they came up with the grape guy from uh, Fruit of the Loom commercials. Um, 
Well, no, they were purple and they had these round things on their head. It looked like a bunch of grapes. Um, no, it was the planet that was overcrowded and they kidnapped Captain Kirk because they needed him to incubate something like human viruses because this planet was overcrowded because they didn't have any disease, any sickness, any anything. Right. So they needed right. him um, to kind of infect the planet with just the common cold or whatever it was. Um, that. And then there was another one going back to the war stuff where um, he, they were fighting the Klingons and they got stuck in this casualty event when they beamed in because they were attacked and it was, everything was on computers. So there were no actual bombs. It was, oh, casualties. And remember this. And they were just pulling out. Right. Okay, you have to go to this uh, disintegrator chamber because you were a casualty from this attack. Right. But there was no But there was no attack. So it was because it was a neighboring planet they were warring with. It was like, but there's no war. And you want me to give up my life now. Yeah, but there's no war. Well, that's how we prevent war. But there's no war. <laughs> is that what it's going to be? Yeah, I don't know. I, it's just like, okay. It is It is interesting that we now are starting to deploy robots uh, to do some of our work in war. And I just look at the current you know, state of affairs across the world and these things are starting to get deployed now. So I don't know what to think. Well, you take a look at what's going on over in uh, Ukraine and yeah. Russia right yeah. now. And that that conflict has been slated as it's a drone war and an Instagram war. Yeah. It, it, it's fought on social media and with drones. That's correct. And I remember talking to the one programmer, um, and maybe you remember this too, eFarm, right? Yes. And... She had developed this, uh, basically how to take your old tractor and make it so it's kind of new again. Green uh, Acres is the place, too. Yeah, where you could use GPS technology and whatever on these things. And in the same conversation, she's now using the technology that they have developed to demine, you know, farm fields and yeah. things like that. I mean, that's, that's, well, and if you look at it, mines, which have been, supposedly outlawed um that's the one thing after war that continues on right. and and way more civilian casualties than than wartime casualties yep. Yep. and that's the problem with with mines so devising a methodology to get rid of those is that fascinating again technology because technology in a war scenario is supposed to be about how do you prevent a human from being injured right so it, it's kind of like Bomb squads, you know, the the bomb dismantling robots, you know, the ability to not have a guy go in there to to get rid of a bomb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's all fascinating, and it it is just amazing to me. I I wonder how much AI is being utilized right now in in some of the wars that are going on, because uh, that would be interesting to me as well to see if artificial intelligence is playing a role, you know, other than just you know being used to maybe zero in on where a missile goes and, and, and that type of thing. So I think those things are just, just fascinating to me. So the robot dog, I'm reading on a few other things here, 
Pictures and videos that the Marine Corps has released seen earlier in this story show that an underlying robot is a Chinese-made Unitree Go-1. So the Chinese already have, um, are already making these and deploying them. Oh, this is interesting. Unitree's website offers the baseline Go-1 Air for $2,700. And the Go-1 Pro, which it says has more capable sensors... Uh, that it uses for general movement and object recognition for $3,500. Seriously? Wow, that's cheap. The military, bucks. the military pays that much for a toilet seat. Are you serious? I think you need to replace Astro with a robot dog. I'm not going to bring a robot dog in here with Why? a rocket launcher. Are you kidding? Put a little laser beam on its head. Little laser beam. How is that possible that they can be selling these things for $2,700? I don't know, but I think we ought to get one. This is incredible. Just incredible. Thanks for staying with us on the Tech Ranch. Let's rejoin Marlo and Steve as they guide us through the fascinating world of technology. Limps are back. How come I'm not hearing anything, Steve? We'll work on that later. Hello, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) It worked a couple minutes ago. Yeah. So blimps are back. Yay. Yeah. And they might even be the future of travel, of air travel. Not just the sub, right? Not just the sub. Have you ever had a blimpy sub? No. They're really good. Maybe. Blimpies? I think so. Had to have a blimpy. Yeah, yeah. They're not around. They used to have one. Around here, they used to be a lot of places. They kind of contract a little yeah. bit. Yeah. No, they're good, actually. Yeah. Very good. I think I have had one. But anyway, not, yeah, not, not the, uh, hungry again. Sandwich that we just, yeah, wolfed on real fast. <laughs> so I think this is interesting. Have you, have you ever been in an airship before or a blimp? No, I haven't. Hot air balloons, yes. Not, okay. a, not a blimp, not an airship. Would you fly in one? As long as it's not called the Hindenburg, I'm in. <laughs> 1937 is when that went down. Was that? Yeah. Not crazy. The new ones are going to use a basically helium. Yeah, not hydrogen. No. Hydrogen, bad. Yes. And they have some type of system where they can inflate it with helium and then, you know, keep the helium somehow or another I'm, and then add more air. Does everybody riding in the ship talk like this? <laughs> I don't know if you know this or not, but but helium, um, there's no making it again. Once you once you use it, it's like gone forever. It actually outgasses off the planet. Oh, it leaves the planet yeah. entirely. Yeah, it just goes up and yeah, isn't that something? It's like see ya, see you later. So I'm always interested in you Where know we'll get helium. That's a good question. It's not like you mine it, crack a rock, and helium comes out. <laughs> no, doesn't work that way. We should check into that. Actually, yeah. Where does helium come from? But get we'll we'll check in that, and we'll come. How back can we produce that. helium? Are you asking Google? I am. Yeah. Methods. Gas extraction involves the production of helium from natural gas sources such as methane, ethane, and propane. This process begins with the purification of raw natural gas to separate the different gases into their pure components. I did not know this. Now we know. That's interesting. Another product. 
Yeah. <laughs> that'll, be, that'll be our side next note. thing. Yeah. Well, side note. <laughs> to figure out what to make helium. The reason I bring up the blimps is that uh, Google co-founder is making a blimp. Really? Let's see. Um, trying to remember his name here. Give me a second. Um, yeah, in fact, his, his uh, airship, has FAA clearance now, as a matter of fact. Uh, Sergey Brin, 124-meter-long airship called the Pathfinder 1, set to launch for the first time in the days or weeks ahead. The helium-filled airship received a special airworthiness certificate in September that allows it to begin flight tests within the boundaries of Moffett Field and neighboring Palo Alto Airport airspaces up to 1,500 feet. So you might see it wandering around San Francisco Bay here in the next couple weeks. West Coast version of the Wright Brothers. Yeah, I guess so. Oh, it's not really new technology. It's not, but they're really making these things kind of cool. Um, it's very high-tech uh, traveling, and it's very comfortable traveling, I guess. The downside to it, I don't think, is that they go above 10,000 feet because they don't pressurize the cabin. Uh, so you have to be a little aware of potential thunderstorms or whatever. You could a cabin, though. So that, easily. Could be, that could be interesting to get above the weather. Probably make the trip easier as well. well. If you're looking at the desert southwest or California, places you don't have to worry about too much weather. Yeah. I was working on a project a couple of years ago. There was a company in Canada that eh? was creating airships as basically used as cranes. Oh, I and, think I remember that. Yeah, I think, you know, when, when I was working, and I know we may have even talked about this, where you could come into, like, North Dakota and you could lift a rig, for example, instead of, you know, how they skid it along the ground now, mm-hmm. which is still a lot better than deassembling yeah. and assembling. They now kind of skid them. Yeah, they're but crawlers. Could, they're yeah. one piece. And you could actually lift it and move it. And these things lift quite a bit. And I was thinking along the lines of, you know, sugar beet uh, industry when they're, instead of, you know, having a hundred trucks move back and forth over the four or five or eight miles. Autonomous, didn't you? Yeah. And then, then you could pick up this whole thing at one time and move it over and then you wouldn't have the the um the road or the you know restrictions you have on roads and, and probably the biggest thing with sugar beets as you know greasy muddy roads yes very slippery in the yeah. fall I grew up in the valley I know so that's yeah, why you do that drove sugar beet trucks a lot yep. uh, in college and it's dangerous it's really dangerous with that rainy sleety snowy yeah and those roads get nasty. So this would be a way to help that, I think. So I, I like the idea of airships coming back. Uh, they don't take a lot of energy either to move around. That's the other nice thing. And in fact, if you're going to use solar on anything or sun-powered, a blimp... Oh, you could do the whole thing and... Makes and a lot of sense. Solar collecting yeah. fabric. Yeah, exactly. So I, I... And I expect that we're going to see more and more and more of that. This one particular one, I think it's called Airship One... Uh, actually has a lot of solar built into it as well. And they're talking about using that to go like from New York to to um, London or Paris or whatever. Yeah. Well, it's like a that seven was, or 10 day trip. That was the norm before. Yeah, it was. I think mean, things kind of fell apart literally uh, with the Hindenburg. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's like, yeah, this is kind of dangerous. So let's not do this anymore. Yeah, but it really and, was. And that was an industry. So like, I mean, you think about the airline industry. So, okay, there's a plane crash. Yeah. It, it happens occasionally. Right. With dirigibles, Hindenburg, we're done. <laughs> they are so done. It is kind of crazy that it just ended with yeah. that. It just it ended just the whole thing. Yeah. I I would do this in a heartbeat. I would too. I mean, it's, it, to me, it's no different than a water cruise. Well, have you been in a hot air balloon? Yes. Oh, yeah. Many okay. times. Um, nervous at all? Did it kind of... No, I, I'm... You know, I've been in helicopters sitting off the side. I used to be on a search and rescue team, you know, so those type of things don't really bother me so much. I would say Glad they found you <laughs> in a, in a <laughs> that's funny. Um, I would say the only time I actually really think about heights is when I'm in a skyscraper and I'm looking over the edge of the skyscraper. For whatever reason, that always kind really? of freaks me out. But I'm okay being you know, 6,000 feet up in a, in a hell of a... Have, have you ever been in the observation deck at the Sears Tower? Yeah. With the glass floor? Absolutely. And like... Yeah. Um, yeah. um <laughs> Did that bug you? You know, the couple of times I've been up there, it's been windy. And you can feel the building sway. Yeah, you can. That's what really freaks me out, is that you're on the on the 82nd floor or whatever it is, and you feel the building sway back and forth. And you just think to yourself, how is it that this building is standing up yet after all these years? But you know, going back to the airship, so I mean, and they actually have been playing with rocket propelled because it used yeah. to just be propellers, and you you could probably get someplace pretty fast if you wanted to. I, I would think there'd be a really good market for a personalized one. Interesting. I I, I would go down that road. We should do that. I I could see it already. The Bakken airship. <laughs> really? Jet propulsion option, optional. Did you just call me a blimp? If you have any questions or want to suggest topics for future shows, visit thetechranch.com and send us your thoughts. You can also listen to past episodes and watch exclusive interviews not featured on the radio show. Be sure to follow Marlo and Steve on social media by clicking the links at thetechranch.com. Until next time, keep exploring the world of living with technology. The Tech Ranch. Super Talk 1270. Welcome to the School for Startups Minute with Jim Beach. This week I've been talking about the monumental changes happening all over the world. In fact, things are getting better by almost any statistical measure that we look at. And we'll look at five more next week as well. Today I want to look at one more statistical measure showing how the world is getting better. And that's the safety of pregnancy. I'll talk about it in just a second. This is Dr. Michael Garko for Strauss Naturals. The heart is only a bit larger than a fist. Each day it pumps about 2,000 gallons of blood through 60,000 miles of blood vessels. With this extraordinary workload, I encourage you to take Strauss Heart Drops to help support a healthy cardiovascular system. The Heart Drops are backed by a 100% satisfaction guarantee. No questions asked. Visit StraussNaturals.com to learn more and order the heart drops today. For almost all of human history, pregnancy has been incredibly dangerous. In the year 2000, just under a half million mothers died. And that's on a population basis of 6 billion people. 20 years later, with the population basis of 8 billion people, only a quarter million mothers died. 
it's a huge improvement and evidence that the world is getting better all the time. The Ramsey Show. Not one piece of data says that where you went to school indicates your increased probability of success. That's right. Not one. Lots of failures at life. <laughs> went to Harvard, to Yale, went to MIT. That's true. And they completely flunked out at life. I went to that school and because they played football well, I am successful. What? Practical financial advice from Dave Ramsey starting at 5 p.m. weekdays on Super Talk 1270. LXX AM, Mandan Bismarck, a Town Square media station, broadcasting from the View Community Credit Union Studio. Here's the latest from ABC News. I'm Dave Packer in southern Israel. A missile hitting a residential area just in the last hour. Israeli forces encircling Gaza City in the nearly one month since Hamas's deadly October 7th attacks. Gaza health officials say more than 9,400 Palestinians have been killed in Israel's response. Today, while in the Middle East, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken meeting with Egypt and Jordan's foreign ministers. When I see a Palestinian boy or girl pulled from the wreckage of a building, it hits me in the gut, just as it hits everyone in the gut. And I see my own children in their faces. And as human beings... How can any of us not feel the same way? He says Israel needs to do more to target attacks, but he says the administration is stopping short of calling for a ceasefire. Here at home, United Auto Workers President Sean Fain on a live stream to members, spelling out the tentative agreement reached with General Motors and saying that the new union agreement with car makers should inspire other American union workers. We need workers everywhere across this country to organize on the job. We need to organize the unorganized. And we need unions everywhere to rediscover the power of the strike. No love for Chris Christie in the Sunshine State. The 2024 presidential hopeful addressing the Florida Freedom Summit in Kissimmee today. Most, it would seem, were not among the slightly more than 2% of Republicans supporting him. You can yell and boo about it as much as you like, but it doesn't change the truth. And the truth is coming. The truth is coming. And all of you need to understand that America deserves better than what we've had. You're listening to ABC News. Super Talk 1270, Bismarck Area Weather. With your forecast, I'm Corey Hartman. For today, mostly cloudy, highs near 39. Some fog tonight, otherwise clouds in 33. And some fog to start your Sunday. Some rain possible in the afternoon, otherwise mostly cloudy with a high of 49. Sunday night, slight chance of a shower, 34. Partly sunny, 43 on Monday. Are you behind on your tax payments? Call Tax Solutions now for help. 800-281-8193. Right now, 35. Hey everyone, this is Robert Carey from America's number one travel radio show inviting you to join Mary and me and Rudy every Sunday as we cover the ever-evolving world of travel, talk with the newsmakers, share compelling experiences, and explore the world together during the fastest two hours in travel. It's in our DNA to travel. The world of travel is so entwined in our daily lives. It's an economic engine, and that's why we do everything we can to bring you a diverse show that's different than anything you'll see here or find anywhere else. So join us on RM World Travel or engage us anytime at rmworldtravel.com. Your home for high school sports. 
Super Talk 1270. Listen to the games anywhere with the free Super Talk 1270 app. Download today in the App Store or Google Play. Portions of the following program are pre recorded. Welcome to the Tech Ranch, where we explore the world of living with technology. Get ready to take a deep dive into the latest gadgets, apps, and innovations with your hosts, the guru of geek, Marlo Anderson, and his trusty co-host, Steve Botkin. Join us on this exciting journey, and don't forget to visit thetechranch.com for even more exclusive content. Now, without further ado, let's welcome Marlo and Steve to the Tech Ranch. Ever use uh, sugar substitutes? I thought you were going to say Lumi. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah, I, I used to. I don't now. I try not to do processed sugar very much, but uh, um, aspartame, I, I hate that taste. Like when you drink a diet pop and it would be, when they were using that, it's just, uh, that aftertaste is, or like the sweet and lows and just, there's that artificial taste. It's just, ugh. Right. And of course, this has been kind of the, I think the holy grail of sweeteners and food has been trying to find something that gives people the sweetness of sugar, right? Honey. Uh, without having the bad effects of sugar. Yeah, honey. honey. I, I, use, I use honey a lot. I actually love honey. It is It is in, and uh, I don't know if you know this, but it can actually be stored indefinitely. Yeah. It, it's... Pure, and it is um, so you can put it on a wound. Yeah, and it because it's it's clean. It's yeah, just it's that good. It's got very very high healing pop right. properties to it as right. well. So Have you done that before? Actually, put a little honey on a wound on a burn, and it worked. Uh, just you know how you put uh, the stuff uh, burn gel or whatever. Uh, what's it called? The uh, aloe. Um, yeah, I have because I didn't have any aloe, and I put some honey on it. Yep. I wonder if mixing aloe and honey together would be interesting. Just throwing that out there. I wonder what it tastes like. <laughs> Probably not so good. No, I don't think you does can, aloe taste okay. People eat aloe. Well, I just, it's, it's a supplement. You just because you can eat it doesn't mean it stuff. tastes good. It's got honey in it. It's got to be good. Okay. Okay. I. I I like honey. I love honey. Anyway, there's this new sugar substitute that's been uh, kind of making its way around a little bit, but it's really been it's been really difficult to make. Uh, so it's been expensive, but now there's a breakthrough that's going to drive the price way down. It's called allulose. Are you familiar with this? Allulose. Allulose. A l l u l o s e. And it okay. naturally occurs in fruits like figs and raisins. Oh. Aren't raisins grapes? Right. Well, they used, to, they used to be grapes. Well, right. Exactly. <laughs> well, said bread again. But part of the the shriveling becoming a raisin process, maybe that's where I suppose that property might be. Yeah. Well, oh, so about, before a fig shrivels up, what's a fig? Prune. No, it's a fig. I'm down darn you anyway. Thank you. I was like thinking about that, and I'm like, so a pr- what's a prune before it's shriveled up? What's a date? They think date. Yeah. <laughs> no sleep going on over here. 
Uh, so allulose is 70% of Swedish sugar. And I, I know this is the tech ranch, but there's technology involved in this. I mean, anytime that there's any type of food, food product, whatever, preserved, all kinds it's of like a lot of technology. So it's a little less sweet than normal sugar, uh, but 10% of the calories. Ooh. So that's really interesting. It's a downside. Um, Something that's good got to be a downside. Well, there, that always seems to be it, right? But maybe, maybe not so much. That's the thing, the thing with this. Uh, it's a monosaccharide. I'm not saying that right. M-O-N-O-S-A-C-C-H-A. Saccharide. Saccharide, okay. 90% fewer calories than sucrose, which makes it virtually calorie-free. Researchers have recently found ways to produce allulose on a larger scale, which may allow it to become a popular sweetener in the future. And the FDA states that allulose is generally recognized as safe. Um, let's see here. It's it's a natural sugar. It's not an artificial sweetener. So that's the thing. Uh, well, so do you consider processed sugar like so sugar beets, processed right, sugar, right? right? And then there's cane sugar, right? Which cane sugar is considered a natural sugar. Have you ever tape broken off a piece of cane sugar? Yeah, yeah. Just, uh, it actually tastes pretty good. It does. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's candy. You have to be careful, though, because the, the cane is actually very sharp. Yes. I actually cut my tongue the first time I did that, and I was You're surprised. Cane. I, what am I, whatever. I'm picturing you, the owl guy on the you, Juicy Pop commercial. <laughs> you truly lick, have to... Lick, lick, ow! You truly have to understand me. I'm an early integrator, which means that, oh, it's new. It's new to me. You know, it's sugar cane? Oh, let me try some. <laughs> what do you mean there's no instructions for this stuff? How many or, does it take yeah. Allo to impale his tongue? Uh, I'm going to go three on the over-under on that one. They are... They are rather sharp. I was really surprised by that, actually. Uh, wow. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Did they have to pull the splitter out? <laughs> Shows up at the hospital, one of those weird injuries. <laughs> hey, we got another one. Licking cane again. <laughs> How long can you go on with this? It's like the tourists that, that go take pictures with the fluffy cows. Got another one. That's right. Yeah. Don't that cute buffalo. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Are you done? I, I, I know we're on the radio, but it's the visual. I cannot get it out. Some things cannot be unseen. And now I have to giggle. That's forever. Anyway, if you're... If you're interested in trying it, allulose is becoming readily available. So go go check it out. Oh, uh, two groups of people. Twitter free, by the way. That would be, that are really going to benefit from this. And this is why I want to get to it, are uh, people with diabetes. Right. If they're trying to reduce their blood sugar, allulose was probably will be a great way to do that. And if you're overweight and now you're trying to cut back on calories, allulose will probably help you with that too. So, yeah, I mean, this is... Um, well, who shouldn't eat allulose? If you're allergic to any artificial or alternative sweetener, you should stay away from allulose. But allergies to these sweeteners are not very common. So, yeah. I don't think I've ever heard of that allergy. I haven't either, but I think there's, you can find somebody who has an allergic reaction to about anything if you look hard enough nowadays. I mean, I'm allergic to you and... And, and you're allergic to sugar cane. Yeah. 
I'm not allergic to it. <laughs> it just hurts. It has adverse properties. Yeah, yeah. It's sharp. That's an allergic reaction. Yeah. All right. Let's see what else we got in the basket full of news for the day. I like this food stuff, actually. Do you? Yeah. What do you think Alice's apple fritters or apple... Uh, Popovers, kind of? Yeah. Uh, they're apple uh, turnovers. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Made from uh, a tree here. Needs cinnamon ice cream. That's what we, she we had that too. Discussion. Yeah. yeah, she said. I got that. thinking about that. I, yeah, that would have been really good. We've had some snow this week. Did you use any technology to move snow? Um, I was talking to a guy about a new snowblower, and the only thing that kept going through my head is, why can't we heat up the basket and just melt it? <laughs> well, you know, I've been kind of working on that. I know. <laughs> are, you, are you done laughing? No, I got trapped on a cord under, oh. the, under the. Probably, studio. yeah. At least, at least, and in this studio, you wouldn't have to worry about the chairs. Yeah, I, I didn't. Just, just hoping I didn't unplug anything. I think you're good. Okay, I can hear you now. By the way, can you? Yeah, I, I turned your. Oh, that's what it was. Your headphones were muted. I see. I appreciate you. Yeah. I don't know how they got muted. Well, you know, must have bumped something during the break. Somebody's, somebody's. Yeah, that's probably true. Still not on X, by the way. I think we actually meant to turn the microphone off, but we missed and hit the wrong button. <laughs> you know, I have uh, I have not been on X, Twitter, formerly Twitter, since it became you and shortly thereafter. Yeah, and it's, not, it's impossible. To, I, I can't log in, and I can't really? get a hold of anybody. To tell them that I can't. I mean, I, I claim that it's my thing. And the issue is, is that when I signed up for Twitter originally, this is 12, 15 years ago, whatever, however long it's been around, right? Um, the phone number that I had associated with that Twitter account, I don't have access to anymore. So the only way I can prove is by having access to that phone number that they would text to. And it just goes round and round and round. So I can't do that. So as a result, I have to contact them. Well, nobody's gotten back to me. Here's an idea. It's October, for goodness sake. Start a new account. Yeah, but I have have 50,000 people on that account. Yeah, but once you have a new account, you can migrate them. Are you sure? Yeah. Or once you get into that account, then you can migrate over to that other account. I'm going to look into that. Yeah, just establish a new account. I don't have access to how how am I going to migrate it over? Well, you have that number. Once you're back into the system, you have options. Well, I have another Twitter account, X account. Well, use that then. Hmm. All right. You have options. Well, not with the option. But you got to be inside to get the option. I have the option not to use X either. I would like to, actually. I actually kind of like the Twitter slash X experience. I like to see the new stuff and take advantage of the new stuff. But would you pay for it? Oh, that's right. There's that, isn't there? So what is it? Eight bucks a month? Ten bucks? I don't know. It's something like that to be a verified member, right? I think you get like a blue check or something. I haven't been on it since. See, that's the thing. Over. I, and I know we talked about this a few months ago, and I don't remember the conversation either. Uh, but, but you're right. There's a paid version, but I think it's for verified accounts. I would pay for it. 
if I if I can ever get access back. Well, you can validate it though because you've got a business use for right. it. So right. I mean, that's uh, from a CES and an innovation and a technology and new devices and well, it seems yeah. like it seems like at least before Elon Musk took it over that m- the media used Twitter a lot. That was kind of their go to. Um, and do they now? You wouldn't but, know. but elon musk has kind of fallen all the grace of the you know being the uh you know the whatever of the you know the sweetheart of the media you know he's looked at as not such a nice person anymore so i don't know he's a good guy well he's a good guy he just he just does things on the things on his own and, and he doesn't care about what other people say so there you go that's why i appreciate him yeah yeah which is why we do what we do too right Thanks for staying with us on the Tech Ranch. Let's rejoin Marlo and Steve as they guide us through the fascinating world of technology. So what do you know about net neutrality? Net neutrality. As in the internet? The internet. Ooh, that ripper's good. (laughs) Squirrel! Uh, Internet net neutrality? Is that what we're, we're... You know, I drink root beer all the time. Why is it so much more delicious today? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, yes, net neutrality. We're going to take a 20-minute break here while Marlo gets a nap. Boy, the only thing that would be better with that is a little ice cream right now. You can have your cinnamon ice cream for the apple. Probably cinnamon ice cream would probably make a good root beer float. Probably. Yeah, I agree. Especially when you're drinking diet root beer. Yes. 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 Okay. So yeah, net neutrality. So net neutrality in its truest form means that an ISP, an internet service provider, and around here uh, where you and I live, that would be like uh, Beck Communications, Midcontinent, you know, people who provide, AT&T provides uh, the internet to you. So they're called called ISPs, the internet service providers, okay. In true net neutrality, they have no say over who you go and look at online, okay? So if you want to go to website A and then you want to go to website B, they can't cut back, throttle back the speed to that website. They can't do any of that. A couple of years ago, uh, and that's the way it was originally, and the reason for that was uh, because it's part of the Telecommunications Act. So when you have a phone, right, you are able to call somebody in another region or, or whatever, and they were always so concerned that if a local, and again, because you and I live in North Dakota, this was kind of a big deal here. We have a lot of rural co-ops that had telephone services, right? Weren't part of, in the in the heyday of like AT&T or the Bells, um, Bell could have said, I'm not going to allow any calls to go through to Hazen, North Dakota, because they're on this little mom-and-pop thing. And the heck with you guys up there because we don't make any money on that. So we're not going to send our signal to them. So they they created this neutrality law so that anybody could call anybody that had a phone number. Okay. Well, the Internet is basically a longer phone number, isn't it? I mean, it's not like if you go to supertalk1270.com that... It's really those letters. It's it's eight six seven four three two eight four eight seven three. There's a phone oh, number yeah. attached to it. It's just a little longer, right? And then over the over time, 
somebody figured out a way to give those numbers a name. Eight six seven five three zero nine. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so that's how it works. And a couple of years ago, um, Congress had voted and said that ISP should have some say over this, and that went, and and basically the reasoning behind it was that marketplace forces would push these ISPs to not, you know, not allow. Uh, what we're talking about here to happen. Yeah, but if you're in a rural area, you don't have choices. Well, this you don't have market influence. I'm just going to throw a scenario at you. Okay. And I'm just going to, let's pick on mid-continent. Don't have a beef with mid-continent. I don't have any, I'm just picking on mid-continent a little bit. We could pick on Beck or AT&T or whoever, right? Um, but if Netflix came up to mid-continent and said, we don't want you to we don't want you to offer anything from Amazon, no prime at all on your service, and we'll pay you twenty million dollars a year to do that. What do you think Midcontinent would say to that? Hey Amazon, you're about to be blocked. You got a better offer? Sir, uh, I, I yeah. truly believe that well that would work. They would be fine with with keeping everything neutral until somebody came along with enough money. And of course, Netflix is going to say, "Well, there's Midcontinent serves three million people." Well, we you know, they do the quick little math on that, and they're saying, "Well, if we get rid of Prime, we're gonna we're gonna increase our subscriptions by a million more people here, or whatever it is." Right? We've seen that with. TV with TV network, of course. You know, it's like, hey, uh, how come we're not getting CBS? Yeah, now because well, it's not on. That's exactly right. They're negotiating contract. And how frustrating is that? Yeah, yeah. Well, you don't have that in. You're not supposed to have that in the world of communications. You know, and the internet is considered a two-way communication device, like a telephone. Okay, so anyway, they re- they relaxed that a couple of years ago. And said that, hey, we're not going to, you know, that that mid-continent could actually take that money then from Netflix and say, you know, goodbye Prime, right? Well, Congress now in the last couple of weeks has actually reversed that now. So we're back to the... Congress actually did something? Net net neutrality. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, So we're back to the basic net neutrality again, meaning that ISPs cannot... Uh, and they can't slow down. I mean, you, you, they could do this like, all right, we're going to offer Prime to you, but you're going to get it at like um, old dial-up modem speeds, right? So who's going to watch it then, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, they could do stuff like that, right? Now it's just a free-for-all again. You know, of course, the downside to that is that um, anybody who's family-driven, uh, faith-based, whatever, probably don't want to see the other crazy side of the internet. Well, and there was a homeland security component to that, if I remember correctly, there was, too, of yeah. why they kind of got a little away from net neutrality. Um, but, again, idea that didn't work. So, do you have a cell phone, right? I do have a cell phone. Really? Okay. Um, do you have an unlimited plan? I do have an unlimited plan. Have you ever used enough data to where they slow it down? So, that is interesting. This is a very... <laughs> In, I, I don't, I don't, and, and I don't have a an unlimited plan specifically for that reason. When I need my, I use my phone for work a lot, and when I'm traveling, I don't need something slowed down. So, but, but the thing that you're getting I, at I here my is, data. That, is that the where you're going to here is that it's slowed down, right? They right. throttle it back, right? 
But it's not just to one night or another. It's a lot. It's to everybody. everybody. So so the same speed still applies if you're trying to watch Netflix or pull down a Google map or whatever. It's it's even across the board. Until they go, you just crossed an imaginary line somewhere with your unlimited plan and... We have the right to slow that down a little bit because you're using a lot of data. Well, then, even though you have an unlimited. But the point I'm getting at here is, even when they slow it down, it's slow across the board. Yeah, it, right. It, you could still. There was a any- time though that, uh, and I remember this well, that you would get to a certain point and they would say no more video streaming. Really? So that kind of was. See, I don't, I don't uh, want to get to that point. In this kind of realm of things where they would have those options to do that, they can't do that anymore. So just let you know, uh, we're back to real net neutrality again. And if you have issues like this, then you can report your ISP to, I don't know, the even Marlowe. <laughs> we'll talk about it here. Yeah. If you have issues about it, let us know. We'll talk about it here. You know, I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I do sometimes get a little close on what I have for a data plan. And, and uh, you ever catch yourself uh, not putting the video on? On Zoom calls on your phone, I, I do that a lot. I do that a lot too. What extra data? Mostly because nobody needs to see. I'm slow down the shirt today. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's that too. Uh, but a lot of times, you know, if you have challenges with your connection already, taking the video stream out of it makes the audio much better. Right. right yeah, and you're working off of that signal, that cellular signal. So if you're, it's kind of like sometimes if you're in a bad area, you're phone call won't go through but you'll get a text right right yeah so anyway um if you have any issues with net neutrality let us know we'll talk about it some more well and the website's up now so you can kind contact of send the website <laughs> <I> hope so <laughs> it's only three months in the works you know you're listening for technology comes alive Let's dive back into the conversation with Marlo and Steve. And don't forget to check out thetechranch.com for more. In the not-so-distant future, human-like robots will be as ubiquitous as the automobile or smartphone if Agility Robotics' vision of the future comes to life. I know you love this topic, Steve. Ubiquitous. Ubiquitous. See, it pops in my head is like Ken doll, ubiquitous. Yeah. This is what they quoted the other day at a at a, a press conference. Uh, Agility uh, Robotics. Uh, Hertz, uh, the let's see here. Hertz, uh, the co-founder of Agility Robotics, is an engineer by trade and has been laser focused on building an anthropomorphic robot since college. Meaning they walk off the right. Yeah, eventually, just you will just talk to these machines and. You can just ask them for help with whatever you want to do. Sounds so, like a Will Smith movie to me. Yeah. The current model of Digit is limited to loading and unloading bins, stacking items, and completing simple tasks. Um, but it is very, very humanist. Get my groceries. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's been using uh, OpenAI's ChatGPT uh, and it integrated it into its software. So now it has artificial intelligence being integrated. Um, did you and I just talk about that? Like when ChatGPT started, like what is it? AI turns angry. And it's got a robot to play with? Yeah. Yeah. Right now AI I haven't run across much emotion in AI. I think it pretends 
Like if I have an idea. Come on now. You said it was getting irritated with you. It kind of did the one time, but it, it usually pretends to be more happy than than angry. You know, that's a great idea, Marlo. Really? Well, thanks for patting me on the back. That's. Uh, I mean, I'm serious. That's how it talks to you sometimes. You know, this is a very exciting idea, Marlo. Little tongue in cheek there. Yeah. Sounds snide. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, I hear that from other people too that want something from me. So what is it that you want for me? <laughs> Chat GPT. <laughs> yeah. But I'm not a robot. I may not kill you in your sleep. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. So um let's see, other news. Uh Meta is being sued over addictive features. Well, that's been Facebook pending for a while now. But it is uh, coming to a head. So, do you do you feel that Facebook and, of course, Meta also owns um, Instagram, Instagram, Snapchat, I believe, not Snapchat. Oh. They own uh, WhatsApp, WhatsApp, yeah, and then they own um, Oculus as well. But I guess they bought Snapchat too. Well, maybe they did. I, I guess I'm not familiar with that. You can post a. Uh, one post once and it goes to all these different platforms. Okay. Which people like. Through Meta. I Through any of them, I think. I don't know. I don't go on Facebook a whole lot anymore, so. I think that it was too addictive. Yeah. I think that face or that Snapchat that, although, I mean, uh, I'm going to back up again. That Snapchat and also X, Twitter, uh, had that feature anyway. That you could just push it to their competitor. I mean, I would consider it their competitor, but I think they like to have that open communication, right? Uh, because it builds both of them. So, yeah. Thanks for backing that up, Willy Wonka. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, but yeah, I hold that. Reverse it. What do you What do you think is addictive about Facebook? It's just mind numbing. I mean, there's a a little sense of gratification on oh something new oh something new oh something new um but it's just i cannot think of anything that wastes more time that example my wife and i'll get into this conversation she always complains about oh because i'll fall asleep with the tv on because it's background noise for me it's like and i can sleep anywhere um and she gets mad at me it's like oh there you are again with this falling asleep with the remote in your hand really and that's different from you fixated to your phone scrolling. What, what the difference is? I fell asleep. You 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 can't fall asleep because you're on Facebook. To me, there's a difference. So, what do you find? Why? Do, obviously, you think she's addicted then to. Oh, absolutely. What is it that you think she? The, the thrill of being a part of Facebook. I mean, you're just reading about what everybody else is doing. I mean, is is it the new form of gossip? I mean, what what is it about Facebook? Oh, that yeah. It, it, are it, all the it, above? It's a level of gossip. It's, oh, what's going on in everybody's life? So, but I don't have to engage with them to know what's going on. So, huh. Are you it's, more? It's like I'm eavesdropping. Are you more interested in the post or the or the remarks that people make to the post? Uh, what used to be the post. I, okay. I could give two craps about 
what other people think most of the times. But I think a lot of people that well, and, and yeah, a lot of people too. sit there. So if it's a post that's engaging for somebody they know, they'll go, oh, well, what are other people saying about that? Right. Because, gee, apparently as a society, we've all gotten really judgmental now. And I think that happened before. Yeah. That that's well, but I think it's escalated. It's been it's more public. Yeah, it's been brought to a different level. It's like really just who cares? Live your own life. That, that that's part of the reason I just don't engage in that stuff. I, I honestly, I wish people would go back to posting food pictures. I was following the shooting in Maine a couple nights ago. Okay, so are you using? social media as your news source too because that's different a lot of people are which i think people should have realized by now that's probably not the best idea so what i was doing is anytime that we have significant things that and okay so i'm going to back up a little bit are, are we going to get into the conspiracy theory uh i know we're out of pop along with this yeah news, so. because i'm ready for our conspiracy <laughs> theory this is our conspiracy theory hat <laughs> that's a, a hat a thing of gym. well if we blow it up yeah it's it's because that's the you get the tinfoil then, yeah, right? the tinfoil dome from yeah. the iffy pop yeah so do we have to pop it first or no i just okay we'll just there you go yeah it's kind of a so i wouldn't say a conspiracy theory thing but i noticed within a half hour of them starting report about the shooting that they've already profiled the shooter and that's the thing that was, and it was on every news network that way. I was trying to uh, find some different slants on it, and, and this person had been profiled as, you know, they already knew he had been spent two weeks in a mental hospital. And person of interest and, popped uh, up pretty quick. Pretty quick, right? And so I found that interesting. So then I, I thought, you know, I'm going to see what social media is saying. So I hopped onto TikTok, is where I actually went to, to see if there's any lives going on, and there were. A multitude of lives. And the first thing was, I mean, there's a couple of people just sitting there. And maybe you and I need to do this sometimes, Steve. But the the one gentleman in particular who wasn't a news person at all was just, just talking. He had a computer screen in front of him. And I think he had a couple TVs going or whatever. And was just talking about the news as it was coming across, right? And 300,000 people watching him. And I'm like... Any of these people could go and turn on any of these things that this person's watching and do the, or, or just get the information themselves, but instead they were t hearing his take. But the difference is, okay, you've got somebody that's streaming all these different facets of information. So he's probably sitting there with two or three TVs on, right. watching the local news channels, yep. maybe listening to a local radio yeah, yeah. station, yeah. and he's kind of consolidating all that information. And it's and, at and your it, fingertips because it's on your phone, on your device, and social media. Versus, okay, I'm going to go online and go to this news source, and I'll, I'm going to go to this local TV station, uh, local website. And, uh, well, but it's not on TV because very few TV stations will live stream stuff. They'll they'll post it shortly thereafter. Right. So now you've got somebody reporting. Granted, they're slant, and that's I think the part people leave out is it is just somebody's take on that. It is somebody's take. Um, somebody's bias. Um, so you've got somebody reporting not only that one in real time. It just as simple as reading the ticker on the bottom of the screen, which is in real time. 
And, okay, well, he's got three TVs up reading all the tickers in all real time versus I'm, I got to go fumble through. And if I'm going to try to switch back and forth between different websites for different TV stations or a radio station. Yeah. I, okay. I think so, so he's an anchor yeah, at that I point. Mean, it was just interesting to have somebody who's not a professional journalist. And I'm not saying you and I are either, but, um, I did say at a holiday Inn express last night. Well, you're closer than me. Then. Yeah. Yeah. But it is, it's just interesting to me to see that, you know. Well, Jason Spies, who I do another program with, uh, um, and to have that kind of following, that was the thing. I mean, I could see if there was five people, but this person was approaching 300,000 people watching them. Then I'm just like, you got to be kidding me. Him and I talk quite a bit about podcasts and how podcasts really now have kind of displaced some credible news sources and some mainstream media, um, little different space rather than something that's in real time but um being able to tune in to a location on the site instantaneous and this comes back to okay the addictive part of any social media it's the instant gratification i mean you're there in real time versus having to go to a website and pull something up and it's a little clumsy a little cumbersome um it's like i'm at the event Yay, I'm, I, I'm at the shooting. I think the one, well, okay. So that is where I think you're spot on. Oh, we got that, that the, deal. Yeah. Um, that one person that I'm talking about, and there was four or five others, but this one really, really struck me because of the mass number of people. He actually, one of one of his streams that he was watching was the local news channel uh, from the town in Maine. And... And they were having, I mean, it was like straight coverage of what was going on. I mean, it's like the local news coming on because, of course, the the um, killer hasn't been caught. And, of course, I'm sure people are like, you know, locking their doors. And, you know, it, it, this is a crazy scenario for this town of 30,000 people that's going on, right? So that, I think, is, I think you hit it, the nail on the head when you said all of a sudden these 300,000 people watching this person because they know that he's local and getting this local news feed, even though he's just sitting in his basement in his house or whatever, did bring them closer to the event than what they would get from local news or from national news. I truly believe that's what the, what the, you know, why that person was getting so many people to watch. Well, it's kind of like when there's an incident going on and you're there. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're right there. Not that you want to be there at a tragic event, but it's it's kind of like people that go to NASCAR to watch for the wrecks or rodeo to watch the wrecks. It, you know, people kind of get jacked up on it's a chaos. first yeah. first person experience. Well, if you can't have the first person experience, and you can maybe person live. laugh, yeah, uh, yeah, because you know if this person's watching the local news. Probably the local news channel is going to get the news first before the national stuff does. So I'm sure that's what people were hoping for is that there would be some little nugget of news that would come out that they would hear before even the national stuff. Do you ever do that when uh, some something bad happens? Go to a, a local TV station or their website and try to watch what's going on in real time? So the, yeah, I, I've done that a few times and there's been a few things, you know, speaking of your conspiracy theorist thing, um, and I forget, that's right, shake it up a little bit. 
I forget the trial, uh, but it was in the small town right outside of St. Louis. Do you remember this? Like four or five or eight years ago, um, a police officer had killed somebody. And they, and it was like they made this for television. They were going to read the verdict at eight o'clock at night. Do you remember this? Yeah, it was uh, and I'm body like, cam footage. I okay, okay. So what I had done is I had uh, um, somebody was in the crowd. There's already riots that were going on. For the life of me, I cannot remember the name of the town, but it's right out of St. Louis. And they were streaming the event. And I was also watching the news footage on the inside of the in the courtroom. First of all, they should have read this at 7 o'clock in the morning. Then there would have been never an issue. I just never had understood this. It was made for prime time, in my opinion. And they read this thing, and they told the whole reason why they're not going to convict the police officer. Well, came across Twitter, because they only have 128 characters at the time, I was not guilty. And the whole crowd, their phone just all lit up, and they went crazy. And then burn the house. And then they burned the city down after that, right? And that's what I remember seeing about, you know, watching the national news compared to the local stuff and what could happen so quickly because of that. It's kind of like when Detroit wins any championship in any sport, (laughs) they burn the city down. Welcome back to the Tech Ranch. We're thrilled to have you with us as we continue exploring living with technology alongside Marlo and Steve. Taking an Uber ride in Phoenix soon? not planning on it, but I do get down there a couple times a year. Well, if you do, don't be surprised if your Uber ride shows up without someone behind the wheel. Autonomous Uber. Or in the car. So to really? the, to this up to this point, there have been autonomous rides. They've right. been experimenting with it, but they always had somebody in the car in case something were to happen, right? Well, have you seen those cars too, the ones they've been experimenting with? It's like they've got so much. It, it, the car is actually twice the size of the car. Because they've got all these cameras, oh. controls, and uh, <laughs> telemetry. Well, of course, I've seen these. Oh my I've been, god! I've been, I've been, yeah, forty self-driving cars. Of course, I've yeah. Seen these, yeah. It's like the car is huge. Yeah, yeah. The car is actually small, but it's huge. But they're they're starting to integrate all the technology now. I mean, it's just easier when you're when you're actually out mapping or or whatever to have all this stuff on the outside. Because if you need to replace something, right, you can just replace it, right. So it's easy, but yeah, starting uh, very shortly here, you will you will probably if you're in the Phoenix area, there's a good chance that you're going to have an Uber uh, roll up, and there will not be anybody in the car. Not, you've been able to do this for a while, and and uh, in Vegas, for example, Waymo. Uh, I've taken a couple rides in in self driving cars already, uh, just rolling around town, but it's not been a big integration into anything. It's just been very spotty here and there, right? This is a big rollout with a big company now. You know, not not that Waymo is a small company because they're, they're, you know, mother company's Alphabet, which is Google. So, uh, so this is this partnership that's going to go on, and uh, uh, yeah, you'll be able to get a ride now. Uh, the launch uh, comes five months after Uber and Waymo announced their partnership. And we'll have driverless rides starting Thursday. So that would be in five days. Wow. Uh, in Waymo's 180 square mile, 180 square mile service in the Phoenix area. That's amazing. It's amazing. It really is. And it's not just confined to the interstate because that's pretty easy for autonomous vehicles. It's the 
rolling around downtown Phoenix with people walking all over the place and dogs and cats and birds. Oh, my. Lions and tigers and whatever else. Rattlesnake. Yeah. Scorpions. Yeah. Got to avoid all that stuff. I wonder how... Uh, the, now, you're not allowed to answer this, but for the average person, the first time that would have happened, I, I, I would guess you'd be a little taken back going, there's nobody in the vehicle. It'll be curious to me. So you actually get notified. Riders will, I'll just read this. Riders will be notified by the Uber app when they are matched with a driverless Waymo vehicle and will have the option to confirm the driverless ride or be matched with a conventional vehicle instead. So you'll get notified before the driverless one dispatches to come and pick you up. So you won't be totally surprised when this car rolls up and, hey, Steve, come on in. So you get a discount? So that's an interesting question. I don't think you get a discount Could now. Be Uber? The, oh, the ride will be, will charge the same rate as regular Uber rides. But you don't have to tip. And customers will be able to see the pricing up front in the Uber app. Uber and Waymo are also working together to launch driverless deliveries at a later date. That's a great question, though, about the tipping. You don't have to tip if there's nobody in there. Do you think it's going to pop up asking if you want a tip? I don't know. And where will the money go? Well, if it's just the... All right, so here's another question. Does, does the car, so, does the car be able to go up to Penco then and then get a, well, a okay. premium oil change? So here's the question, though. Because it's thirsty? <laughs> oh. Um, None of that regular stuff for me. So with, with Uber or Lyft or any of the ride shares, it's somebody's private vehicle. Are so, these going to be somebody's private vehicle no, or is it so, company cars? These are company cars. Right. So if it was somebody's private vehicle that had... Because at some point, you're going to be able to just slap a module onto a vehicle and go, okay, it's autonomous now. I, I really feel that. There are um, some vehicles you can do that now. Yeah, so yeah. somebody's private vehicle that, hey, I'm going to ride share, but I don't have to go along for the ride? Yes. I Although I'm not sure. I think So I think Uber and Lyft are going to offer those type of options. If you own an autonomous vehicle that you will then be able to uh, lend your vehicle. So I would work all day and it's going to go make me more money. That's correct. And there'll, there'll be a big push. A lot of people will see that right away. It's it's like having a VRBO or an Airbnb, right? Yeah. You're, I got a vacation cabin, but I only spend three weekends exactly, there. And exactly. Let it work, make money for me. The average car sits idle 92% of the time. It sits in your garage, sits at the parking lot at work. It sits all the time. So if you can deploy it to make more money, of course, why not do that? Yeah, but that makes a lot of sense in California because you can't afford to put gas in it. (laughs) Shake your popcorn. Yeah, huh? Although I guess that's not conspiracy. That's actually... No, that's actually fact. (laughs) Yeah. But but I'm kind of... I'm very intrigued on the private side of this. I do believe that... uh, Well, in fact, I know for a fact. I, I forget which companies are with who... But like Ford is matched with Lyft and GM is matched with Uber and, and uh, um, they've they've these companies have invested big time in there. And the reason that they have is because they want their autonomous vehicles to be part of that fleet. So Ford will and I, I don't know who's with who, but I, I, they're all with somebody. OK, R&D going. Yeah. And they will eventually basically own the car. In fact, all car companies are more interested in 
the amount of money that they can get from you by the mile as opposed to you owning your car straight up. This is where they're all going, which is why the lease option has become such a big deal because the companies still own the cars. There's a big upside to the companies owning the cars forever. Uh, so that's what they're trying to do now. And they look at autonomous vehicles as a way for us to get away from ownership of vehicles because then they can just charge by the mile. They can make less cars and make more money because instead of that car sitting idle 92% of the time, now they can have that thing deployed uh, 80% of the time making money for them. And that's how they look at this model. Well, and the model has to change because if you take a look at uh, the way the finances are set up for keeping up roadways, um, that's gasoline tax. Absolutely. What if you're not using gasoline? So at some point you're going to have to go to a road tax or a wheel tax. Yeah. Or, or a kilowatt hour or tax. Or a kilowatt hour tax. Yeah, which would make sense to yeah. Me. yeah. So, but did you see the, the rolling out the new Tesla truck? Yes. 8,000 pounds? Okay. I'm shaking my head. Roads aren't built for that. Residential roads especially are not built for that. Yeah. So if your neighbor down the street goes and gets this new Tesla truck and uh, your road's got to get fixed in a couple of years because this truck's beating the crap out of it. Just like uh, most people don't know, garbage trucks are huge, huge culprit for shrusting sure. up roadways. Sure. Are you, have you been watching the, so EVs in general are in trouble right now. And actually we should just, I know we're getting to the end of this this uh, segment here, so we'll just carry this over to the next segment. And I'm going to talk a little bit about the challenges that electric vehicles are facing right now. Uh, and it's really, really interesting what's going on in that space. Just telling you. Well, think your conspiracy thing. Again. A, lot, a lot of it's uh, the rare earth mineral side of things, and um, you know, you've heard of blood diamonds, right? Yeah. Well, blood minerals yeah. is actually a term that's been coined. Yeah. So it's really interesting what's going on there, and, and we'll talk about that next, or next, or next. Eventually, we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. If you have any questions or want to suggest topics for future shows, visit thetechranch.com and send us your thoughts. You can also listen to past episodes and watch exclusive interviews not featured on the radio show. Be sure to follow Marlo and Steve on social media by clicking the links at thetechranch.com. Until next time, keep exploring the world of living with technology. The Tech Ranch. Super Talk 1270. Welcome to November 4th on the National Day calendar. Today we're enjoying sweet indulgences and admiring magnificent majesties of the plains. From lollipops to gummies, chocolates to caramels, caramel, candies bring sweetness to our lives and smiles to our faces. They remind us of childhood joys, holiday celebrations, and simple pleasures. Hey, this cork bar is good. It's a Twix! They're all Twix! Now, give me one! Give me a Twix! They're all gone. On World Candy Day, let's celebrate these delightful confections. Treat yourself to your favorite candy, share some with a friend, or maybe even try making some homemade candy or caramel. Caramel. Later on today. 
<laughs> you know, homemade caramel is actually pretty easy to make. And it's like the perfect time with caramel apples. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite candy? You know, I like the, have you ever had good and plenty's or black licorice that are coated with a little bit of the hard shell on the no. outside? Yeah, yeah. Those are, those are kind of my go-to. They've been around forever though. And you? Mm, probably a Twix. I love the chocolate Twix? and caramel wow. mix. Yeah, I love the commercials. <laughs> <They're hilarious. laughs> From sweet treats, we turn to the awe-inspiring symbol of the American West, the bison. The tonka. Tonka. The tonka. Buffalo. Majestic and resilient, bison are not just beautiful creatures, they play a crucial role in maintaining healthy grassland ecosystems. Today, on Bison Day, we celebrate these magnificent animals. It's a day to appreciate their contribution to our ecosystems, recognize the cultural significance they hold for many Native American tribes, and support efforts to conserve and expand their habitats. I've never seen a bison, like, up close. I remember coming to North Dakota and, like, seeing one from afar, but, yep. I mean, I heard they're, like, beautiful, like, Majestic is a great word for them. You know, yeah. They're, they're big. They're, they're really fast. I think a lot of people are taken back by how fast they run because they're so large. You know, mm -hmm. you just wouldn't expect that. We have them here all over the place, so. All right, I'll be back. Okay. I'm Latoya Johnson. I'm Marlo Anderson. Thank you for joining us as we celebrate every day on Destination Celebration. Until next time, keep celebrating. Welcome to the School for Startups Minute with Jim Beach. All this week, I'm presenting evidence that the world is in fact getting better all of the time. It seems like the exact opposite is true with wars in Israel and Ukraine and inflation and our government not working. It seems like everything is falling apart. In actuality, things are getting better all the time. I'll give you a little bit more evidence of this in just a second. This is Dr. Michael Garko for Strauss Naturals. Seasonal flu, an acute respiratory infection caused by influenza viruses, is associated with tens of thousands of deaths annually. Your immune system is the sentinel of your body against the flu. Strauss Naturals Immune Support Cold Storm Travel Bug or Smooth Oregano Drops supports a healthy immune and respiratory system. All Strauss products are backed by 100% satisfaction guarantee. Visit StraussNatural.com to learn more and click on Ask Dr. Garko if you have any questions. One of the best ways to see that the world is actually getting better all of the time is to look at childhood mortality. In 1990, 12 million children under the age of five died. 30 years later, in 2020, only 5 million children died. It's a vast improvement and it's happening all over the world, especially in India, where the death rates have gone from 24% down to 3%. LXX AM, Mandan Bismarck, a Town Square media station, broadcasting from the View Community Credit Union Studio. Here's the latest from ABC News. I'm Dave Packer. It's Saturday night in southern Israel, and there are more airstrikes out of Gaza. As the war between Israel and Hamas becomes bloodier by the day, Secretary of State Antony Blinken visiting Jordan today, saying allies in the region remain committed to doing what they can, not just to end the violence from the conflict, but achieve a lasting peace. Precisely now, when the stakes are highest, and even when the outlook seems darkest, that we have to intensify our work to meet this moment.
And as pro-Palestinian marches in Washington and this one in Paris call for a ceasefire, Alex Sherman, whose son's an Israeli soldier, says not until the 240 hostages taken by Gaza are returned. I want my army to press on Hamas as much as they can and not giving even a second, not to give them a second of peace until our sons and fathers and grandmothers and grandfathers are back home. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis stealing a line from former President Trump at the Florida Freedom Summit in Kissimmee, Florida. We will build a border wall and we are going to have countries like Mexico pay for it, not because they're just going to fork over money. Of course not. We're going to impose fees on the remittances that foreign workers send to countries like Mexico. Most of the 2024 Republican presidential hopefuls are there this weekend. European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen returned to Kiev today to offer an update on Ukraine's possible ascension to the European Union, telling President Zelensky. You have reached many milestones, reforming your justice system, curbing the oligarchs' grip, tackling money laundering and much more. There will be acceptance talks for Ukraine in December. You're listening to ABC Super Talk 1270, Bismarck Area Weather. With your forecast, I'm Corey Hartman. For today, mostly cloudy, highs near 39. Some fog tonight, otherwise clouds in 33. And some fog to start your Sunday. Some rain possible in the afternoon, otherwise mostly cloudy with a high of 49. Sunday night, slight chance of a shower, 34. Partly sunny, 43 on Monday. Are you behind on your tax payments? Call Tax Solutions Now for help. 800-281-8193. Right now, 35. In communities across North Dakota, AM radio stations like ours are vital connections to emergency information, weather updates, local news, sports, and entertainment. And we need your help. Text AM to 52886. That's text AM to 52886. And tell Congress to keep AM radios in cars. This ad is aired by the North Dakota Broadcasters Association and this station. Follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook. Super Talk 1270. Portions of the following program are pre-recorded. Welcome to the Tech Ranch, where we explore the world of living with technology. Get ready to take a deep dive into the latest gadgets, apps, and innovations with your hosts, the guru of geek, Marlo Anderson, and his trusty co-host, Steve Botkin. Join us on this exciting journey, and don't forget to visit thetechranch.com for even more exclusive content. Now, without further ado, let's welcome Marlo and Steve to the Tech Ranch. EVs, electric vehicles, in my opinion, are in serious trouble. And why would that be? Because you can't charge them anywhere if you're on vacation in Las Vegas? So there's that. Yeah, and we'll get, piece of it. We'll, we'll get to that in a second. This is what I think is going on with EVs right now. Um, so EV transaction prices in quarter three were down significantly from 2022 in an attempt to increase sales volumes, Tesla slash Tesla slash prices, which are now down, which are now down roughly twenty five percent year over year, and we're talking new vehicles, new vehicles, because there is no secondary market for right. these things. So what's going on right now is that they're having to slash prices on EVs 
in order to uh, in order to artificially inflate the the numbers that are I shouldn't say it's artificially inflating, but it's getting more people interested because the cars are costing less, right? Uh, in order to continue to make them. At a, so now would be well, a good time to buy my Rivian. Yeah, yeah, okay. Rivian's really in trouble right now. Yeah, I know they are. So this is this is my opinion, and I think a lot of people who own electric vehicles, and I won't say all, but a lot of people are probably upper middle level or middle income it would or who or that's correct and it was disposable income and it wasn't your which you and i've had this conversation that where do electric vehicles make sense okay the daily commuter yes daily driver that's but correct the price point way out of and most of these people this isn't their only car right this is their run around town car and they could afford the $80,000 or whatever. That's not the case for everybody. I know people personally, even in the town that you and I live in, that own a Tesla or whatever. It's their only car. And, you know, they've told me the things they love about it. They told me the cold weather is the thing that they hate about it because the mileage goes way down. Uh, but overall, they seem to enjoy having the car uh, outside of the charging challenges but again it's just a run around town car you can plug that in even into a regular thing if you're you know it takes a week to charge them with a regular plug-in setup and uh, but if you're only driving 10 or 20 miles a day you can keep up with a regular ac outlet right so getting back to that though so it's cool well how many people are there that that fit into that slot that i just described upper middle income rich Okay, so if they all have one, or the people who are in that level already have one, now what? I mean, the average everyday person isn't rushing out to buy these things because, first of all, Caught who, prohibitive. Who's got who's got six hours to go and charge one? This is the thing that I do not understand. I still don't understand this, and I've told those stories on here before. Now I'm going to get passionate about it again, but. I cannot, I mean, that one time, it was a day and a half while I was in Vegas. I have a rented electric vehicle. I got so fed up with it, I took it back. And the only thing I could get was another electric vehicle. But I had to actually... But at least that one was charged. That one was right? charged. So then I could actually drive someplace again. And then I eventually, even though I was, I was down to 2% charge in that thing, by the time I was able to find a charger... Yeah, that put it in. brought up an interesting point in my head. Crazy. So, you know, there's some rideshare things in large cities where you just go grab a vehicle. Yeah. Kind of like the Lime scooter yeah, yeah. or the Bird yeah. scooter. Um, it's they, called... Um, they have vehicles for that. Yeah, they're, they're Lime... Some of them are actually Lime Green. They run around town. They're almost... Yeah. They almost remind me of the little uh, three-vehicle. Take it where you will. vehicle. But they actually have full-size vehicles. They do. You could do yeah. that. So, yeah. you know, you just take it where you're going and dump it. it off. Yeah. And is that a better role for some electric vehicles? I mean, I, I could sure. see that being a space that they could occupy. problem I've got with electric vehicles is there's no secondary market for them. So you're not going to sell you know, a lot of people trade off a vehicle every two or three years. And where's the resale value? Well, it's because, been pretty high till now. Yeah, but when that battery's gone... yeah. Scrap the vehicle. Yeah, it's not like you're just oh, I got to put a new battery in. No, the cost of that is the vehicle. Now you're you're getting a new vehicle. I will tell you. So it's disposable that 
I don't hate I, that. I love the performance of electric vehicles. Oh, That's I do too. probably the one thing that, that I'm just like, oh my goodness, I can have this in a gas-powered vehicle. Oh. Uh, I love, and I've told you this before, I absolutely love the new Hummer, the GM Hummer. Love it. If I can get that in a 6.6 liter, I'm all over it. <laughs> I, 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 I had a I uh, validate the electric side of it, not I, not where we live. So the last Wrangler I had, I didn't even know they had this. Uh, I rented a, a really nice looking Jeep Wrangler, the E Jeep, and it is a hybrid. Oh, okay. Well, that's the path we were going down, and then we should have stayed on that path. You have no idea. It, it was like a combination of both. You had the... Best of all worlds. You had that high performance of an electric vehicle. See, that was the thing. It wasn't God like... God bless Toyota for sticking to their guns the on that. Heat, by the way. But yeah, I bet you're right. Yeah, but Toyota's, Toyota's one stayed on that. that. Right. Because but, everybody else had gone down that road of a hybrid, and then the government had incentivized to go away from that and go strictly electric. What was what's the name of the Toyota that uh, um, was so popular or is popular? Um, starts with a C. Um, Camry. Maybe it doesn't start with a C. Anyway, they're hybrid that they've had since two thousand six or whatever it was. Prius. There we go. That's exactly right. Next start with a C. I know. Not even close. Well, kind of. The C could fit into the P. I guess. Yeah. Right for Prius. Uh, anyway, backwards P. But it's a C. They, they're they not exactly what most people would call a high-performance vehicle. No. Now, the hybrid in the Jeep, however, oh, my goodness. That thing was like an electric vehicle that, you know, had the, had the torque and all of that stuff. I mean, this thing took off like a rocket. Well, we talked about that before. And, and what's the most efficient? So it, Hybrid. Yeah, it's just using the, the motor to basically charge up the battery. Yeah. You know, now... Granted, this thing wasn't getting 50 miles a gallon. It was probably pushing 21, 22, a lot better than the Wrangler that 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 we have ourselves. Because I think we get 16 or 17 with it. So it wasn't. I mean, it's more efficient, just not as efficient as if it was a 100% hybrid like a Prius would be. Well, I like, told you about the so. e-Jeep that uh, one of my wife's friends had to have. Um, electric wrangler and they can't run around all town in the winter when it's cold yeah on a full charge uh, with, with a full charge they they, they get 100 miles of it they're lucky yeah and, and they got to be very cognizant of okay well we ran to south bismarck and now we run up to north bismarck right. and then we need to think about getting home yeah which is too bad that it has to be that way uh but anyway uh sales are down and they're down significantly um bye 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 and I, th I think it's just this combination. And to me, the biggest thing is just the charging scenario is a nightmare most of the time if you get away from your home base. Now, if it, make, it makes sense if you can charge them at home. Or at work. Or at work. Someplace that your car is going to be stationary for a while and you have the infrastructure to charge it, right? But if you have to start traveling and, I mean, if you're okay with being stuck somewhere for six or eight hours, that's one thing. The other thing that I've noticed, by the way, is... Like, they'll have four charging stations, right, when you go up to a charging area. And there's, like, in a gas station, if all the spaces for for filling up your tank are full, people just naturally get in line behind a car, right? Right. And then you just pull up when the next person leaves. 
there there isn't this type of scenario of lanes with these charging stations. They put them off in the side. There is no driving through it because it's usually off on the side of a parking lot. There's a big fence next to it. You have well, and you're driving through it would be okay. I could be here for three hours while that thing's charging. Right. So people kind of scatter around like the parking lot waiting for the next one to open up. Well, who knows who's next? There's no like like ticking or something. Oh, come on now. Goes on. You've never gone up to like, okay, I'm driving down the street and I can't find a parking space and places with parking meters, right? And you go, okay, then you start looking for who's got three minutes left. So, yes. So now with the electric vehicle stuff, just, just because there's three minutes left on a charge or what they paid for or right till that the charge is full doesn't mean somebody's coming out well there's that and there's no way to get in line behind them they have to still pull out and then whoever's whoever conveniently is there next can pull in and start charging how far are we away from having charging pads for electric vehicles so they're available now but cost effectively or it's not the same level of charge it's more of a passive charge but if you could take away the people that so say you're in a big city, you've got a parking ramp and this entire level of parking ramp is for electric vehicles and it's one big charging mat. So you're not waiting for people to plug in and unplug their vehicle right. and their vehicles charging passively while they're at work. So that would alleviate a lot of the stress. There would the be. Victim. And you'd, you'd just have to adapt your car so it could take the passive charge, you know, the wireless charge right. that you're talking about. Uh, We're but doing yeah. this fast, but... Oh, but, no, but I need to get home. I was, uh, you know, just think about your, your phone that you charge up wirelessly. I mean, just it's the same technology that does that. Yeah. And it's pretty good. And it's I've got one good. that'll just take a while because I'll throw mine on one at night on, yeah. on a, yeah, because I know it's going to sit there and it's fine. It, and, you know, it'll tell you it's like two and a half hours till full charge. I'm sleeping. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. Um, but I also have one that, Hey, it'll speed charge the crap out of that thing. Right. right. And that's the one I have at my office at my dad's. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, uh, um, that would be a viable thing to do and probably not so expensive to put those in. Cause you've talked about the ability to do that while traveling, um, on roads with autonomous vehicles to be able to charge them in route. Well, I mean, there's, there's this talk about, uh, beaming power from space. All right, Scotty. And I do. Look forward to that. Without the tether. Yeah. yeah. Without the tether. Without the tether. Although, having a tether on is kind of fun. I know. This just thing like just to say tether. swinging around, you know, on the planet Earth, off the planet Earth. Woohoo! Yeah, but I think of the big drilling thing from the Star Trek movie. Right. That's exactly right. That's exactly what this would kind of look like, except that it's not drilling. Just like we'll say tether. Tether. It's like sphere. You like saying sphere. That's correct. And we're back with the Tech Ranch, getting ready for more amazing tech insights from the guru of geek, Marlo Anderson. So what do you think of the new nameplates? I like them. Yeah. They're very cool. They are kind of cool. So it's kind of, it's, um, I guess it's kind of hard to describe this. Well, I'll try to paint a picture the best I can. So it's a nameplate. It uh, printed on our 3D printer, one of our 3D printers here. And uh, it's called a sweeping nameplate. So it kind of, uh, your name, like Steve Bakken, which, by the way, I'm making you one, but I need to know. It's like a pompadour kind of. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like a comb over. <laughs> 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 
So hey, you said sweeping. So looking back, and- so Chris uh, or Jordan, he's uh, uh, Jordy Alexander, <laughs> social guy. That's that's how is our social guy, Jordy Alexander. Uh, Chris, who's on the show quite often too, his is king of the internet. Chris Van Deventer, right? So uh, I'm having, I'm making mine right now. It's printing right now. Guru of D. Marlo Anderson. Yep, we'll be on mine. So we have to come up with yours. What are we going to, you know, you need to have like a title with, with my David Bakken, you know, like, like, because I think Queen of the Internet's taken already. <laughs> so we had, we had to come up with. <laughs> I'm glad you're laughing at me with that <laughs> instead of throwing things. That's going to be next, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, you don't name yourself. Okay. I, I was a little fond of the, those. Remember the memes with the great white shark? Yeah. The Steve? <laughs> oh, I could just do that. But you, I wanted a shark. Those are kind of cool. We did have something a little longer. Did you have a, yeah, did you ever have a, a DJ? Uh, I always use my own name. Yeah, always. Radio, yeah. For all 40 years you've been doing this. Just forty years now, yeah, and then some. Oh my goodness! You were how old when you started? Twelve. Twelve. I I, I first solo shift on the air when I was twelve. Oh, what what shift? Was that that was the State. midnight to seven, wasn't yeah, it? No, okay. actually, it was. Uh, well, I was I was hoping not when you were. No, told. it was a Saturday afternoon. Okay, and somebody called in sick, and there was nobody to cover it, and, and they're like, "Yeah, you're ready," and if you're not, wow, yeah, you're ready. <laughs> Like okay, and you had been hanging around the radio station for a while. Since I was eight, yeah. So I'd hung around the station, helped out different did, promotions. How did you start working or helping out at a radio station when you're eight years old? I mean, did, was something family? No, I I just fascinated. I used to ride my bike over, and I played DJ in my bedroom when I was growing up with my little turntables, and and yeah, I got a friend that did the same thing too, and is in the business as well. Yeah. That's amazing. I, I didn't know that was a thing. It's like Lincoln Logs, but with records. <laughs> so you so you show up at the station, and and then like what the station manager? No, I, it, I, I, I think it was started because I I I used to win a lot of stuff. Okay, the rotary phones. I think yeah yeah, yeah I had it down. I had that rotary dial thing down, um, and then uh, I think they just got sick of me winning stuff, and then. Um, started answering phones for a countdown show at night in the summers. Okay. Um, and that was kind of where it all started. Hmm. And, you know, got to be friends with all the DJs and the programmers and salespeople. And yeah, then, hey, we need a part-timer. You're a warm body. Go. Unbelievable. Yeah. And... Here you are. Yeah. I did it all through high school, did it through college, and just kind of stuck with it a little bit here and there. And, you know, taking some breaks along the years, but always kept my fingers in it some way, shape, or form. But I, I don't mean the radio station. Done. I've worked them, I've managed them, I've brokered them, I've I've done everything in so podcasting. You, but you were you were basically a DJ to start with, and then... And then, uh, and I know you still do that a little bit. You fill in yeah. for whoever at the at the station group here. But do you? Uh, I used do to DJ a lot of wedding dances back. I loved DJing wedding okay. dances. I, I that was kind of a that, that was more fun than what was, anything else. What was your first talk show? Oh, uh, I, 
I used to do some stuff back in Grand Forks on uh, KNOX, okay. which was an AM station. Um, uh, the most prominent one, I did some work with Colin Coward in Portland when I worked in Portland um, for Intercom. I uh, did some stuff with him before, uh, for about six months before he went to ESPN. I suppose since you... That was kind of cool. Been on the air so long and and have done so many shows, it's probably... I just remember the first time... Because to me, this is not a full-time gig, as you know. No, this is just a very, very part-time thing. It's fun. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And I remember the first time I was on the air on this side of the mic and just fearful, right? I mean, I was shaking. And then the second time for the Tech Ranch, uh, I remember Dean Mastell. You probably remember Dean. And uh, I think he's still in insurance running around town yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Love Dean, by the way. He's, I miss him actually. And he, uh, he had mentioned something about that. I don't know if they got their ratings in for the day or for, for the year or whatever it was. And he was reading these and he's like, wow, we might, we might have like, you know, I don't know, a thousand people listening to the show right now or something. And that just like hit me like a ton of bricks. Like what? There's, there's a thousand people listening to what I'm saying right now. I'd never thought about that before. Well, you don't when you're so usually you're in a studio. Yeah, it's just you and me, right? Or, yeah, or yeah, yeah, you know, you're by yourself. Um, and I've worked big markets, and it's not out of the realm of possibility. There's a million people listening yeah, to you. Yeah, just don't even think about. Yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the ratings, you go, yeah, we got a million people listening at any given time. It's like okay, but it's just. One on one. Here's the ironic part about it: is most DJs, like music DJs, they're introverts. Yes, they're 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 not people that want to be out in the public. The first and, and first it's a defense mechanism. When, so the the radio guys, you know, though they're they're overcompensating. Yeah. It, 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 they're not. That's not who they are. I remember the first time I met somebody who was a DJ and and got to know the person. And I'm like. You are not a public person. No. And yet you, your job is being a public person. Yeah, but it's just you and the mic. It is, it is weird to, yeah, to, to you and know that, right? And, and you're right. These, these people are generally very shy, unlike you and me. Yeah, we're not <laughs> shy. Actually, actually, you know what? I, and I guess I kind of am, but I, I've got windows of comfort. So, sure. and in my space, I've, um, hosted or emceed big conferences and different sporting events and music events and and if I'm in a room with a small group, I'm fine. If I'm in a room with say twenty to thirty five people, that's not my comfort zone. Um, but I've got no problem being on a stage in front of twenty five thousand people yeah. announcing a concert. Yeah, or doing some banter with so I that's I'm fine with that you're not seeing the individuals at that point it's just the lights are bright the, right yeah it's just, and I tend to make things every very conversational it's like you and I we have a conversation when I'm hosting a show it's not about the show um it's not about me it's about the guest so I always kind of look like it look at it from an educational perspective it's kind of like what we do with the tech ranch here we're trying to educate people and hey it's cool stuff out here um you know come check out this or you know try to bring something of interest that's like oh I didn't know that and then let an expert 
in our case, it's you, uh, talk about what they know. Not really. Yeah, I, do, I know. Uh, but, you uh, brand me well. That's yeah. So, but, but that's, that's the way I always approach it. And then my job on this side of the mic is about how do I make the person on the other side of the mic as comfortable as possible? Sure. How, how do you ask the right questions that are going to allow them to relax and answer yeah. that question? Be the person that they really are, right? Yeah. So it's, I find that uh, your story is intriguing, actually, and I appreciate you sharing that with us. You've returned to the Tech Ranch, where technology is our passion. Let's jump back into the conversation with Marlo and Steve. One of the things I love about uh, CES is the running into people that maybe, you know, that I've, I've talked to in the past or whatever, and then see how, how that, that technology has, has developed. I had the opportunity to visit with uh, Dr. Andil Akhter, uh, A-K-H-T-E-R, and he has a friend, his friend's name is Dan, uh, who had lost limb, and Dr. Actor has actually built a bionic limb. And what's amazing about this is uh, the first time I met him and then visited with Dan a little bit, Dan talked about, he has two children, Dan talks about how he was uh, able to feel his daughter's hand as they were, or touch as they were holding hands one time with his bionic limb. So the ability to even feel is uh, becoming a reality for people who have lost limbs. So this is an amazing story uh, and um, actually kind of touched me. Uh, watching this develop over the years, you're gonna you're gonna hear uh, again. This was uh, for video for CES 2022 and 2023. There are actually two interviews. We'll play them back to back. The first one's a little shorter. The second one's significantly longer. And uh, um, the first one's kind of an introduction to this. So uh, Dr. Actor actually has a board that he uh, in the first video that he's holding up. And uh, Dan is able to punch through that board with the uh, bionic arm. So pretty impressive, right? And then uh, in the second interview, they actually talked me into holding this board. And there is, I don't think I'd ever done that the first time, but because I knew them going into that second, uh, there was a little, little higher level of trust because obviously I had to hold this board and as I'm holding this thing, I'm thinking, well, what if Dan's off by just a, you know, inch or two? He's going to smash one of my fingers or something like this. Cause it's not like I'm holding it behind. You actually have to grip over the board to do this. But, but the story is amazing. Uh, what's going on in artificial limbs is absolutely astounding. And I think you're really going to be impressed by what they have created. And oh, and by the way, the other thing is, is that these are now available to anybody. That's what I love about this is that, uh, and it's not as expensive as you might think. You're going to hear that uh, in these interviews about how affordable they are. And the fact that you can actually use insurance and Medicaid now, uh, they've gone through that process as well. So it's an incredible story. And uh, for anybody that you know that, that uh, you know, has lost a limb, uh, this is kind of a new hope. 
for those people. And, you know, I just, I just think, I think about what's going on with people who, um, are no longer able to walk. Uh, and I'm not talking about just the lack of limbs. I'm talking about if they're paralyzed or whatever. There's a lot of work being done in that area right now too. Um, I'm working to get an interview sometime in the future with a very, very unique technology there that, uh, um, they claim actually that paralysis may be a thing of the past. Incredible, isn't it? It's just, it's, it's hard to imagine, uh, you know, with all, there are pluses and minuses to technology, of course, and, uh, sometimes things seem to be moving at an incredible speed, which they are, and the advent of artificial intelligence that we're using in everyday life now has really accelerated that. This is some of the good that is coming out of that, that ability to create a better human condition for anybody is what is really, really exciting to me. So anyway, I hope you enjoy these two interviews uh, from CES 2022, 2023. Again, Dr. Andel Actor uh, is the gentleman who invented it and his uh, uh, friend that is joining him, his name is Dan. We don't reveal his last name, uh, but he has, uh, he's the one that will be demonstrating the arm it's uh, very, very impressive. So enjoy, everybody. This is an incredible product here. And uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you have developed and the usefulness. And, and, and I'd love to hear your story, Dan. So, yeah. you know, but go ahead and deal. Tell us what, what you have going on and, and how this is developed. Yeah, so we develop advanced bionic limbs that are affordable and accessible for everyone. And so this is our latest uh, product, the Ability Hand. And it's a bionic hand meant for people who have lost it and they can control it just with their muscles. And so they can control all the individual fingers on it um, and do different grips with it too. And um, Dan will be able to demonstrate that. I'm so impressed. I really am by this. So are you, uh, is this a 3D printed uh, with some circuitry added to sensors and that type of thing? Or are you actually mass producing these now? Or how does this work? So it's actually a, a bit of both. So okay. we have 3D printed components, but then we reinforce them with things like carbon fiber and silicone gotcha. to make them super robust to impact and super light and strong. Because each person has an individual need, right? So having that 3D printed piece allows you to do that, if I'm exactly. assuming correct. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Okay. So you say affordable. Yes. So what does that mean? I have yep. no idea. I'm thinking that something like what you are wearing right there would cost $100,000. So it's definitely not $100,000. It's more in the range of ten to 20000 Oh, my goodness. And, and not only that, so before wow. our hand came wow. along, um, only about 10% of individuals could actually afford a bionic hand. And that's if you were in the military or if you had a workplace accident. We got it covered by Medicare, and that expanded that access to 75% of patients can now afford a bionic hand. And so not only is it more advanced than any of the other bionic hands out there, it's more accessible than ever. So I think we are going to do a demonstration. Yeah. Yeah, let's right, do it. Right. All right. All right. Ready for this? Yep. We good? Yep. Yeah! <laughs> That's unbelievable. Are you producing other limbs as well? So we're, we've got some ideas for an ability leg in addition to our ability hand. Okay. Okay. Very cool. Are these available? I mean, can 
if, if I knew somebody that needed one, would you be able to outfit that person? So we just released this nationwide three months ago. Okay. And so it's uh, covered by insurances all across the United States. Really? Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool as well. So very, very nice. And how do we find out more information about your product? So you can visit our website at www.psionic.io. Why don't you spell that out? So it's P-S-Y-O-N-I-C dot I-O. Okay, very good. At CES 2022, this is your guru of geek, Marlo Anderson. One of the best things about, about being at CES is running into people who we've met before that have taken what they have created and made it better. And look who I ran into. <laughs> it's good to be back. It's great to be back. Yes, so, yes, all right. Yes. Good to see you, good man. Good to see you, yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. What so, have you been up to? Yeah. So now we have this hand available nationwide, and we've uh, started selling it globally. NASA and Meta have actually bought our hand and put them on humanoid robots as oh well. So, we've, it's, it's just exploding That's... like crazy. So, we're really excited. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, and so, something that we didn't get to try to do with you last year yeah. was that I don't think you got a chance to try out the hand, did you? I did not. All right, so would you like to try out the hand? Let's do it. All right, all right. So we've got this set up no over idea here. What we're doing here. <laughs> and so I've got this uh, this phone attached to it, right? Okay. And so what you're going to do is put your hand in the camera. Okay. And then um, whatever you do on the, the camera, the hand is actually going to mimic. All right, so let's turn that towards the camera all this right, way. So let's do that. So I'm going to go like this. Yep. And like this. <laughs> and like this. Oh my goodness. Oh, I guess I won't wave, right? Yeah, yeah. Hey. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. And so we actually just moved to San Diego in the last six months. Okay. We're working with the military hospital there on connecting these hands directly to your bones and your nerves. And so with your nerves, you'd actually be able to do this level of control directly just from your mind. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> I'm just stunned at how quick that yeah, is. Right? I mean, it's, it's like it instantly maps your hand, right? Yeah. Maps every joint. That's absolutely incredible. <laughs> you know what I want to do, right? No. <laughs> yeah, thumbs up. That, that's, that's right. right. That's up, right. Yeah. Thumbs up. <laughs> and well, did you want to do another board break? break well, we'll, we'll have to do that. But yeah. I, I really want to know yeah. more about yeah, you know absolutely. where where are you taking this technology? Yeah. I mean, what what is you obviously are a visionary when it comes to this. So. Tell me what you're thinking for, like, what am I going to see next year? What are you working on right now? Ah, so we've got some plans for uh, an ability leg that you can do a triathlon in. So we okay. started designs on that. And um, a lot of the tech that we're working on is, is related to those bone and nerve implants that I was telling you about, right? So directly integrating this hand. So here, let me pop this guy off so you can see it. So this is the hand, yeah. right? Um, so instead of going on a socket that goes over your, your residual limb, you'd actually have a titanium implant that goes inside your bones and then connects directly to it. And then we would have the nerve implants actually come uh, wire out through that. And so what's crazy is that not only would you be able to do this individual finger control, but when you touch the fingertips, you would actually stimulate your nerves to make it feel like it's coming from your actual hand that you don't have anymore. So this is the future tech that we're going to be seeing over the next two, three years. That, that is just amazing to me, right? I mean, and so it's an artificial hand that you can control with your mind. Exactly. Exactly. And it's just going to get it even more and more impossible. natural. It really does. You know, I know you just, just think that this is everyday stuff, but for people who aren't around this all the time, it's, 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 
it's it's hard to describe and and you know the ability that this gives people who who have lost limbs or whatever due to whatever military uh illness what have you sure i mean you are you are literally changing lives with this every day and that's so, the goal yeah that's the goal and that's why we do what we do yeah and it's really cool so another thing is that with the you know with the explosion in like humanoid robots and and different like manufacturing robots robotic surgery and all of that what we found is that if you're building a robot to do human tasks, then we've optimized our hand for humans to do human tasks. So it makes sense that the robots get sure, the same thing. Sure. So when Meta and NASA and Aptronic and Sanctuary AI, like the, all these humanoid robot companies and manufacturing companies are purchasing our hand, they're they're trying to do these human tasks with it. So right. it, it makes natural sense for them to use it as well. So right. the same hand that the humans are getting, the robots are getting as well. Absolutely amazing. So, so all right. So we're going to wrap this one up here, but okay. we're going to do another little demonstration. So last year when we did this, you know, we had you break a board. Now, I guess this year you guys are talking into holding the board. Yeah. That was yeah. 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 You can hold yeah. it. But do you have any other, other wonderful stories to share with us, you know, since last year uh, with, you know, any experiences maybe uh, with, with, with your arm, with your new arm. Uh, I think one of the, the big things is my daughter now is old enough uh, to realize what my hand is and what it does. So she's definitely been way more interested in it and, you know, wanting me to always wear it and let's do this with the hand and just testing things out. So that's been really cool to see. So do you, do you get you get this request a lot to break boards and things? Only when I went with the with the deal. Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, you're at a party, right? You're with family and friends. They're like, "Come on, break the board." <laughs> well, you've been doing, uh, you've been uh, working out a lot with the hand, right? Yes, um, yeah, still working out a lot in the gym. You know, lifting weights. Uh, it's definitely been a game changer in that area. Okay. Okay. Wonderful. Wonderful. All right. Are we ready to do this? Yeah. Okay. So I will hand you the board. Okay. So how do I hold this? Then, um, so yep, yeah, just like just like that, you got it. Or I mean, is it better like this? Yeah, or go the other way. Okay. Yeah, the other way okay. And perfect. do I just like? Yeah. Straight yeah. out like yeah. this. Straight out. Keep your arms keep locked your arms up. Locked okay. Up. Yeah. yeah. Don't fall off the stage yeah. there. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. It's going to be so forceful that yes. it's just going to blow yes. away. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> You know, there's a lot more trust in this than me falling backwards on somebody to catch me. Oh my goodness, I'm like, is he going to break my hands? <laughs> so, so is this the first time you ever held a board that someone First broke? time. All first right. time. Nice job. It oh, still works. There we go. It does still work. Look at that. Look at that. Thanks, guys. It's really been a pleasure having you back. It's, it's awesome to be back. So thanks for letting me hold the board. Thank you for trusting me. You, uh... <laughs> I feel like we're bonded for life now. That's you know? right. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Any, anything else you guys want to do or to, to wrap up to uh, let us know anything new or yeah so we're actually stories? we're actually in the middle of an equity crowdfunding oh, yeah, yeah. and yep. so um we, we you know we're all about accessibility about the psionic right making the hand covered by medicare so more pe patients than ever can, ever, yep. can have it so we we're like why don't we make the company accessible too and so we're on start engine and so if you go to psionic.io slash invest you can actually invest in the company and uh, anyone can get involved with uh, our bionic revolution wow wow <laughs> Well, say the website again. Psionic.io slash invest. And your website is at? Psionic.io. All right, very good. This is your guru of geek, Marlo Anderson, coming to you from CES 2023.
Welcome back to the Tech Ranch. Let's get back to discovering the latest in technology with the guru of geek, Marlo Anderson. Jordan, our social media expert, joining us on the program now. And uh, Jordan, uh, um, you said you wanted to talk about threads. And I'm wearing a vest and a sweatshirt today. And uh, w- what kind of threads do you have on? Uh, uh, same thing. I'm wearing the exact same outfit as Steve. It's actually kind of, we're both embarrassed. <laughs> It's embarrassing. Yeah, we should have called each other this morning. Um, we usually do. That's the thing. A thread, social media threads. Yes. And uh, you said it might be coming back. And, and now this goes contrary to what we've talked about in the past. And usually with a platform, uh, you get one chance to make a first impression. And threads didn't make a very good first impression. No, but it did make an impression, which I think really did help a lot. Uh, in the wake of everything that's happening with X Twitter uh, at this exact moment. For example, uh, now that they're, you know, uh, in direct competition, they're able to start rolling out features that X Twitter already had uh, and make it seem like a fresh new thing. And I think that's an interesting take. So is it more a case of Threads reinventing itself and getting a second chance? Because Marlo and I have talked about this. X has kind of fallen a little flat. Yeah, absolutely. Well, they opened the door for Threads to make a comeback. Exactly. And so with the introduction into the social media platform, Threads was, hey, we're here. Maybe it was premature, but the fact that we all know that it's there and it's connected to your Instagram account, so everybody signed up right away. So you're technically a user if you connect your Instagram to it uh, without being able to delete your entire Instagram account. You can never go back. You can never go back. That's true. Um, You're in. It's kind of like the Eagle song. Yeah. Hotel California. Exactly. You can check out, but you can never leave. Never. Um, but I think, yeah, so I think that's an interesting thing is that you are sort of forced to stay on this platform once you've signed up. Uh, so now that they've got uh, like 100 million monthly users, which is like, that's pretty significant, but not as significant as something like 300 to 500 million uh, with the most recent X numbers that have come out. So just to say, uh, they are the comeback kid. You know, they're rolling out these features like gifts, polls, things that Twitter already had built into it. Uh, but like I said, now they get to be the new kid on the block because it's fresh and new and shiny, although it's already features we've had in other places before, right? So what you're saying is there's hope for my... MySpace account. That I I sure hope so. Yeah, I I sure hope so. No, I mean, that's one of those. You know, okay. So here's the an interesting question from a social media perspective. Yeah, um, you've got all these social media accounts that are out there, and um, whether somebody checks out of it or somebody passes away, it's still there. Right. It it, it doesn't go away. Um, how do they manage that? I mean, from a logistical, from a business perspective, that's got to be a, a a nightmare. I mean, because the end game, right, is to have the entire population of the world on your social media account. Right. Okay, that that number continues to grow. I mean, sure. I'm thinking, holy crap, that's a big server. I mean, how do they manage that side of that? That's a great question. Um, I've, I think it's just where Mark Zuckerberg lives. It's all in his mind as okay. far as I'm concerned. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. That, by the way, this is a, a new conspiracy theory because when you pop the Jiffy Pop popcorn, uh-huh. the aluminum foil dome is officially our tinfoil hat. 
Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Great. That's uh, that's fitting. So, uh, and, and I don't know if that would fit Mark Zuckerberg's head. I mean, we might have to get the bigger Jiffy Pop. That's true. Yeah. I mean, he's currently plugged in. Uh, it's all USB-C, of course. Right. Uh, you know, uh, very much. Uh, he's just a mainframe at this point. Exactly. Right? That's exactly it. Um, and he's, you know, he's constantly updating his software becoming more human as the days uh, reboot just hit him in the head crawl on yeah you know and i don't know about that i don't know if he's actually a human person or a cyborg cyborg yeah maybe he's cyborg that's fine um so so going back to threads yeah and as far as some of the features that already exist on some of the other platforms sure. and, and now they've had a a second opportunity to roll out some of those things yes how's it being received uh, fairly well for the most part especially because people so many people are are trying to leave x and to have that next thing to cling on to and cling on uh to cling on to and kind of put now there are two different guys to cling on that's true saying but yeah anyway uh but yeah now that they've got another platform to go and use that people are already signed up for right because if you sign up you're, it's attached to your Instagram account, and that means you're uh, your Hotel California in there, right? So I think it's an interesting move. Um, so now that people are leaving X, they're going back to threads, and it's kind of slowly building. Again, 100 million monthly users isn't nothing. Um, and a lot of them are active, as a matter of fact. So uh, it works well. Um, so with these new features, new features that they're rolling out, it seems like they're... Like I said, they're the new kid on the block almost, you know, even though they showed up uh, at a time where we thought perhaps it's a little premature. Uh, now, you know, it seems so shiny and new because X is uh, going in a direction that is unpredictable at this point at, at for any given moment. So you mentioned new features or new old features. Uh, right. New to them, old from other platforms. Are there any new features that Threads is adding that, hey, this is shiny and new, and the other platforms don't have this. Not yet, but I think with the addition of polls, and now that you can comment on on you know things with gifts and stuff, it kind of is just it just goes to show that they're actually building these things in and taking their time now that they are already established in the the social media sphere. Um, so not as of right now, nothing revolutionary, nothing groundbreaking, but eventually, hopefully soon, we are going to see those things with, uh, you know, streaming live, uh, because Facebook live was such a thing. Instagram live is such a thing. Eventually threads is going to have that same platform, I imagine. And it's going to be interesting because then some of that exclusive premium content can be pushed onto threads as opposed to getting pushed onto X or pushed onto Facebook, uh, pushed onto YouTube. Now that you've got another yet another place to put all of your thoughts and feelings and stuff like that, which is fantastic. So you mentioned the 100 million daily users versus X with 300 million daily users. How many people typically have more than one account, though? Because the connectivity side of things, okay, I'm on Facebook and Instagram and and, and uh, what's the other one they own? Is it, uh, who owns Snapchat? I forget about that one. Um I don't know. Yeah, anyway, so, but the ability to integrate, you know, post once and integrate it across sure. multiple platforms, very appealing to a lot of people. Uh, when you're talking about threads and X, for example. Sure. How many people have multiple accounts, though? So if, if I'm a user on X, am I a user on threads as well? Or do people tend to be pretty separated from, from 
the exposure side of things? Are they loyal to one platform or another, or do they have? I mean, out of that 100 million versus 300 million, do 150 million people have accounts on both platforms? I would guess so. I would say it's probably a pretty even split. Um, it just makes sense to have a cross-platform connection just so you can constantly be giving content out into the world. Uh, whether your opinion is good or not doesn't matter. Uh, I would say that, yeah, there is probably a really, really generous cross-pollination between the two. You know, we started talking about uh, the definition of content. <laughs> yeah. And nowadays, that's extremely subjective. This right now, this is content, Steve. Well, yeah, but we're doing this on a terrestrial platform and then it gets podcast and it's content it is and that that's what am radio and talk radio is but from a, a social media perspective it's like hey this is what i made for dinner tonight that's content too oh yeah um now you start talking about the quality and what's what's actually useful content and i don't know sometimes i, I think we tend to get a little inundated with what we define as content. And that's a wrap on another fantastic episode of The Tech Ranch. Remember, if you have any questions or want to suggest topics for future shows, visit thetechranch.com and send us your thoughts. You can also listen to past episodes and watch exclusive interviews not featured on the radio show. Be sure to follow Marlo and Steve on social media by clicking the links at thetechranch.com. Until next time, keep exploring the world of living with technology. 